0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot? The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed.
1: From the
2: center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Andor Report. I was hoping that the noise that you would make is the sound of fighting for freedom. And it was a, a, a great pew-pew-pew uh, and, a, and a grumble roar, let's go. That was beautiful.
1: Hey, I'm Ken Napsack, and I'm here to make pew-pew-pew sounds.
2: <laughs> that is right. Ken 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 is here in the pew-pew-pew seat. Uh, we're both <laughs> in the pew-pew-pew seat. Uh, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. We're very excited to be here discussing the latest episode of Andor. It is episode 10. It is called One Way Out. Where does the title come from? Well, maybe thousands of people screaming it in unison uh, as the prison break finally breaks. Uh, Also, a lot of big thematic ideas, I think, in One Way Out, which we will be talking about. This episode was written, uh, like the rest of this uh, three-episode arc, by Bo Williman, directed by Toby Haynes. Uh, This actual episode, once you strip away, like, all of the intro credits uh, and and the credits at the end, it's about 37 minutes of actual story, yeah, but it was jam-packed with action, emotion, emotions about actions, a very, very full episode, I thought. Right, Ken?
1: Uh, It's funny to hear you say 37 minutes. That, that, That makes sense to me, logically, like I got it. Because uh, I was able to watch the episode three times. But uh, well, God, it <laughs> felt longer in, a, in the best way possible. Where some, like I'll say, some other Andor episodes, I know some people complain. Well, this is really long and boring. Ran into that lot in my hometown this weekend where people were like, Yeah, I tried to, I fell asleep after episode one. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, this episode, you weren't sleeping.
2: Yeah, no, no. Did, did Tim Carlos' socks put people to sleep? Well, there's a lot of excitement to make up for those socks. If you were bored by the the socks of Carlo. Uh, we always like to set the scene of kind of how we watched the episode. I think it's something to do uh, as fans, right? Because mm-hmm. this is kind of a, this isn't just like it's work time because we're going to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. We are absorbing these as fans, uh, but also we're big proponents here on Force Center of what's going on in your life, in your world, as you relate to storytelling sometimes affects the storytelling. So, mm-hmm. Ken, what was your experience of watching this episode of Andor?
1: Oh, Matt, and you also, I, I got to put a pin in the, um, well, let's just address it now. I'm going to start here. We we, we we are fans. We, we also are, are professional po- po- podcast pundits in Star Wars, whatever you want to call us. Uh, we, we had access to this episode, and, and both of you and I decided not to watch it. Mm -hmm. and uh, we're, yes, we're heroes. We're heroes, everybody. No, no, it just, um, (laughs) this show is so, so good. I, I just don't, I want to take it as, as it comes to me, (laughs) if that makes sense. And I had an issue with some folks who did want, watch it and tweeted out some real, I know things you don't know tweets. And one was (laughs) an interview that spoiled something for me in this episode, just by context is that Jake's takes interview. I don't know who Jake is. I don't like his takes. And he interviewed Circus and we had to cover it for the news show. And in watching that interview, I was like Sigh. I can figure out what's going to happen with Circus's character now. And and sure as, as bleep, it was exactly what happened. So mm. I kind of carried some of that going into the show so just this may be a negative way to start the show if you folks barry sanders nfl hall of fame running back anytime he scored a touchdown he'd hand the ball to the referee people asked him why he said act like you've been there before uh that's a, a personal <laughs> philosophy for me i would like some you get those screeners sit on it potsy just watch them and wait and there was too many tweets leading up to even the five minutes before the show i can't wait for you to see this thing shut up shut up i put twitter down as much as i can but there was a big election going on last night <laughs> And yeah. that's why I was watching Twitter and I saw those tweets and rant Joseph and get into the context. But this is important <laughs>
2: uh, a blinding series of references, though. I have to throw in there like, uh, w- we have uh, expansive lives that uh, Star Wars love is a big part of our lives, uh, but we contain multitudes. And you threw in a couple, uh, NFL references, happy days references, and all all flowing together, very beautiful.
1: Uh, I'm a little worked up by it. I was a little worked up because you talk. I, it's very important the context of how you sit down to watch Star Wars. I do think is important, and I had a little bit of rage in me, and it's a rageful episode, so it kind of worked <laughs> out. Uh, and then I was paying attention to uh, you know the elections and, and just refreshing uh, both on a national level, uh, I've uh, on a local level, and then uh, weirdly I have two people I know running uh, Burbank mm-hmm. City Council and one State Senator District 20. And I was just really invested and, and you're, you're, you're trying to find hope and darkness and you're trying to turn away from darkness and, and shining into the, the, you know, shadowing up your hope. It's a weird thing. And then, you know, Andor's just been so real world and uh, you, you carry it into. And then the other thing too, there was a lot of excitement for this episode. I want to highlight that. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm ranting, Joseph. I'm sorry. We, we had a great lunch yesterday and I think I drank in the afternoon and got me started. Um, <laughs> Uh, Grace uh, we Grace and I had, Grace had not seen, my, my fiance and my partner had not seen episode nine. So I said, yeah, I know you normally don't stay up till midnight, but watch this. And so we did in that ending of nine, you know, circus, Kino Loy, never more than 12. Oh, I got chills again. And she goes, I'm pissed at you. Now I have to stay up. Because <laughs> it was too good. And it was too good. And we both really loved this episode. I carry that all. I had some rage, Joseph. I had some excitement. I had some <laughs> hope. And I felt trapped, but I wanted to escape. And wow, what an episode to have all that in your heart.
2: You did not have to experience as awful of things as the actual characters in Andor did, but it right. sounds like you experienced all the thematic elements. Uh, that are coursing through the and or television program and yeah. uh, particularly highlighted in this episode. That's great. Yes. And, I got, very, very yeah, and I got to the finish line.
1: Yeah, I got to the finish line. I was like, damn that Jake from Jake's takes. Sit on it, man.
2: <laughs> Just emotionally running shoeless through what looks like sand snow. I think that's yeah. the new uh, yeah, yeah. the new uh, bit of material, organic matter. Mm. <laughs> That Andor and Melshi are it running looked,
1: through. It looked like Minnesota uh, s- sludge, or what do you call it? The s- slurt, uh, snurt, snurt? Snurt, <laughs> snurt, snow
2: and dirt. The snow's yeah, beautiful yeah. for five seconds, then the dirt and the dog mysteries <laughs> get in the snow, <laughs> and it becomes snurt. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, no, that's all really, really relatable, really, really uh, understandable, right? Um, yeah, somebody had told me like, oh, they maybe it was uh, on purpose, maybe there was a glitch, whatever that the. Uh, episodes uh were uh that an episode episode 10 was available to uh people who have often have access to some disney Mm -hmm. plus screeners um and i just really sometimes i do want to watch those we watched the first three episodes of andor so we could really be uh ready to discuss it we watched the screeners of tales of the jedi i am open to it but i love the midnight ritual here on the west coast and i know everybody can't do it and and i i acknowledge my west coast midnight privileges um (laughs) But there's a sense of community to it. Um, there's mm-hmm. a sense of, of ritual to it. And I really, really enjoy those things. So I was very happy uh, to wait and kind of experience this with the world. And I'm kind of glad I did because it was such an interesting and special time mm-hmm. to watch Andor. Uh, I think Star Wars is and always has been and always will be a political from the beginning, from mm-hmm. 1977's Star Wars. Not even a new hope yet. And it was political. Yeah. Uh and Andor is very explicitly dealing with issues of how do you uh fight back against uh tyranny? Mm-hmm. Um, the different ways that tyranny affects everybody, how it how it kind of imprisons everyone. But there is a difference if your uh you know, socially socioeconomic, mm-hmm. you know, situation is on the alleged lower end of the scale. It's a different kind of more visceral, literal prison that can't yeah. be escaped all of these issues that are kind of at the heart of Andor are so explicitly political so it was uh, an interesting and mm, rewarding maybe I don't even know the emotion mm. Mm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. very emotional yeah. to go straight from myself watching like seven hours straight of election coverage yeah to Andor um because you know I, I don't need to belabor it but my strong opinion is uh, we're at a point in a, a lot of places in the world, but certainly in American politics where uh, certain uh, political figures are using the tactics, the language, the intention of tyranny, mm-hmm. you know, speaking uh, about limiting certain people's freedoms, uh, gathering power, having a philosophy that's everything about power through strength. You will do as I say, as I decide for I am the chosen and mm-hmm. only I decide and any resistance we will be met with attacks and violence, you know? yeah. Um, that, is, <laughs> yeah that is, yeah, that is such a threat, right? Yeah. So then to see Andor saying, like, how, if, that, if that succeeded, if that is not stopped mm-hmm. uh, by, by voting, if that is not stopped by the guardrails of democracy, what would that world be like, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And obviously, many people in the rural world uh, throughout the course of time have experienced that <laughs> that's yeah. why this is, is so real yeah. so it, i think it's an it's very interesting to go from my own personal perspective of voting yeah. is so incredibly important we 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 have a system so that violence doesn't have to be a part of it so that mm. in theory everybody gets to have a voice and so that we can keep working to toward more and more people being included have having a voice uh and then it's it. it, it to, to see uh, Andor dealing with that from kind of a, a different perspective is very very
1: powerful. Uh, it's a big giant. Well said, sir. <laughs> big giant. Well said uh, uh, on the situation in the real world. And and look, I just uh, I I'm, I'm in a mood this morning, but it's a good mood. Uh, but it could be. I apologize. it Might be a little snarky. I would love to hear reviews on Andor that don't want to engage with politics and Star Wars at all. <laughs> How are you watching this episode in this show? And I I don't mean that, again. That sounds snarky, but I'm curious. I'm curious. It's just so exploding out at every uh, scene, but the show remains popular for those across the board that enjoy it, which is, which is is encouraging.
2: Yeah. And and I think for me also, it it points to all of what has been political in Star Wars. I'm big on the, the prequels, not just being the story of Anakin giving into fear and falling to the dark side, the galaxy gives into fear. Palpatine successfully creates the illusion that there's a scary other yeah. That can only be met by you giving up your liberties and by pouring all of your strength into him, mm. into all of, into the 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 fear of the other and therefore security, security, security. Mm. So, like watching Andor is also makes me think about how wonderful the the politics of the prequels are in in telling that story in this precipice that we're on of how many of us are going to give in to fear yeah. and give in to. Uh, I, I want to vote to to raise a fist to everybody and yeah constantly be afraid of the others I, I said i would keep it short and i am failing so i'm, I'm going to try to wrap that <laughs> this part of it up yeah yeah uh, and, and then just just to like sort of even put a button on it um for me a, a powerful thing obviously we're going to talk plenty about uh, uh powerful speech mm-hmm. at the end of the episode one of the incredibly powerful ideas in it is is Luther's. Perception that he is building a better world that he will not see. He will not personally mm. profit from freeing the galaxy of the empire's tyranny and creating the possibility of a better future for others. Right? Mm-hmm. Amazing, important idea. Uh, this morning, I get up and, and I'm going to watch Andor again. Like I, just, but I just really quick want to want to check in on uh, some some election results. And I hear this discussion of uh, Stacey Abrams, who did not win the governorship of Georgia, Mm -hmm. uh, but has been well covered, has built machinery in in Georgia, a system in in Georgia for lots of other people uh, having a a voice, having their votes count, uh, being seen, being valued. And because of what Stacey Abrams built, that that is deciding other elections Mm -hmm. and these pundits, who I guarantee you have been up all night covering politics and did not stop at midnight or 3 a.m. on East Coast time to watch Andor basically say about Stacey Abrams, thank God she's alive, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not the same as Luther, who I think is saying I'm not going to be alive, so I want to make yeah. sure I'm saying that. But, but ba- I, I sit and watch these pundits basically repeating Luther's speech of, for generations, people will benefit from what Stacey Abrams did. She didn't win. She didn't get to benefit from what she built, but others will. And that is to be applauded. That matters. Yeah. So it, it was one of those moments where, like, the core idea that was spoken in Andor was uh, repeated in our real world yeah. because it's an idea that, that matters and resonates.
1: Yeah. And these and these are ideas. I think when when it's all said and done, may, maybe we sit back and do a, an Andor recap, bring in Jen and just look at the, the impact of the season. I, I think it's I, I think so much of what Andor is saying has been said in Star Wars time and time again. You've mentioned that before. And it just highlights it does it in a different way, it drills down on things maybe that right. haven't been drilled down on. But it's all present and it's all in a weird way politically coming I don't know if I want to say coming to a head in Andor, but it's just uh, I, I like that it's pulling from a lot of other aspects of Star Wars and putting it uh, right here in a platter that you, you, you either want to eat or not.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, with a lot of Star Wars, politics motivates things, mm-hmm. but it allows you to look away right? Like a lot of the Clone Wars episodes that are most political, you, you listen to the great, you know, booming voiceover narration of Tom Kane, and you understand that everything that's happening in the episode is political. Um, and, and then the episode go, goes on, and, and it maybe doesn't highlight that, it doesn't remind you of it, and Andor is just sort of like the <laughs> you are not looking away, this is all political, and you are yeah. not looking away from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I've really enjoyed it because of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into our overall reaction. Oh, I did want to share one other thing. I got Mm -hmm. a B2 Emo action figure.
1: I saw that. Yeah.
2: I always set out my action figures uh, to watch. So B2 Emo... Uh, watch with me he's gonna watch next week so he can see himself because every episode my main question is uh where is b2 emo is he safe is he all right and hopefully next week B b2 emo will get to see himself
1: uh, oh man and uh, we might see him cry oh boy we'll talk about that oh boy boy
2: wouldn't (laughs) the new canon of like oh oh, oh, oil's leaking from his ocular unit is is that droid
1: Can I cry now? Oh, be (laughs) too.
2: I do not have an energy enough to lie and cry. I must choose one. (laughs) Oh, my heart, my heart, Uh, my heart. Yep. Uh, All right. Let's get into uh, this episode. You know, fun, relaxing episode. Uh, What was your overall reaction? Uh, obviously a ton of people are loving it. Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it? Where'd you go?
1: Yeah, I, I really did love this episode. First of all, I want to start here. Uh, a lot of you out there listening grew up with TV Guide. Some of you maybe did not grow up with TV Guide. Uh, I am a comic friend of mine named Jay, Jamie Kaler had this jokes. So I'm completely quoting him. I'm not, st- I'm quoting him. Look up Jamie Kaler. He had a great joke about TV Guide entries. Uh, and if you look, would did one for like World War II, it would say Hitler's plans for world domination go awry. And that would be the TV guide <laughs> entry. The The description of this Andor episode made me laugh. A rare opportunity opens, and the time for Cassian and his fellow inmates to act is now. <laughs> like, what a... <laughs> He's, the, the, it's what does it take you to put you in that car? You got to buy this car. It just such was a peaceful, simple summary of this. Just tension filled. Uh, my my gut was in my heart the entire time. My throat was in my heart everywhere. Yes,
2: you in the gang. Get get the
1: get enough money for that mortgage. Yeah, yeah like, it was hilarious. Uh, sorry, I'm choking on my own. Uh, that's uh, laughter. hilarious. So anyways, I really do love it. And I, I'll be honest, at times, I, I, Andor's been, I've said this before, I think Andor's my favorite of the shows so far. It's also my least favorite of the shows so far. And there's a lot of real world reasons for that. I have grown tired of having to defend Star Wars to fans of Andor. And it's happening time and time again. And that's a different conversation we'll bring it into other podcasts. I carry some of that into Andor. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Uh, where I feel Boba Fett is just as de- has just as much depth. It's just in a different style and fashion. And I get it. And I love this fashion. And this episode I loved. It's my favorite so far. What does that mean? Nothing. It just means I felt this one came together so nice. Also, by the way, it's probably the most Star Wars-y of all the episodes so far. <laughs> even Episode 3 or even the breakout, uh, the, the, the heist in, a, in Episode 6. This is this had blasters, the DH-17s. This had mm-hmm. pew, 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 guards flying over railings. Uh, it felt <laughs> like Star Wars. It felt like Star Wars is a real... An unfair phrase. It really is to anything in Star Wars, but this is one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars media. And I feel good saying that, but it also means uh, I'm going to defense other parts of Star Wars even harder.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think I, I need to really focus on the show because I love the show by myself. I think it has great power. It has great depth. It has a great subtlety, but then it has some of its power is there are moments where it's not subtle, where it's, mm-hmm. it, it is writing Uh, the message on a stick and then hitting you in the head with the stick. And that's part of what the power is. I'm not criticizing it necessarily. That's the power that that's why people are responding to the sort of the, the the political, the pain of what the empire is doing to the galaxy. It's Mm -hmm. making it so you cannot look away. Um, but I also feel like there are moments that are just as powerful in Mandalorian, uh, Kenobi, uh, Boba Fett. I think a lot of those, mm-hmm. particularly things in, in the Mandoverse, Mandalorian and Boba Fett, the, the style, the desire is, is to kind of state these big emotional issues in an extremely minimal way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't think the goal of Andor is to be minimal. The goal is to have Luthing give a massive speech that rips his soul open. Like he is Mm -hmm. on the stage at, at at the globe doing a Shakespeare play. Um, It's, it's a different style, but they're both powerful to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it look, here's here. I'll explain this even more. Uh, This episode made me unmute Bo Williman. But I should note I had muted him years ago. It's a weird, <laughs> well. I think he's muted word. himself.
2: I don't think he's been posting on Twitter yes. for a couple of years, so you well, haven't been missing anything.
1: I wouldn't know because I muted him about 2017. <laughs> um, but yes, and that's kind of my complications. When you ask overreaction, man, I, I, I absolutely effing love this episode. Uh, it's yeah. great. It's great. And let's yeah. just engage with that.
2: Yeah. No. Me. Me too. I mean, I think just. We'll talk about more, but just to to pick a a beat out the the shot of Luthen as the elevator doors open and that that dark cape blowing in the wind like he's just this sort of yeah. inevitable uh, power. Right? Mm-hmm. It had those moments that that feel very mythic, very iconic. Um, I think Andor is interested in showing us very grounded, very real things, people, you know, just salespeople on transport shuttles make jokes, but, but Tim Carlos socks, but just like Mm -hmm. the the grounded, like world on, on Ferrex where they have multiple pubs. And when you're done with work, you decide which pub you want to go to. And like, it's both been very grounded and still having these kind of star Wars elements of Mm -hmm. being sort of mythic, iconic, uh, larger than life. And, And I felt like that's one of the things that made this episode feel more like star Wars. It had some. Uh, 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 or, or feel like it was wearing its Star Wars on its sleeve, because I don't think mm-hmm. any of the episodes aren't Star Wars. Correct, but, correct. But more traditional Star Wars. It had those mythic moments. It had uh, guards uh, <laughs> falling over railings. Uh, you know, it, it had... Uh, I think the, in some ways the biggest thing is this episode felt to me like just a great big yell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars often goes goes low so it can go high. It takes you into despair so that the message of hope doesn't feel Pollyanna. It feels like, look at everything they went through and mm. still held on to hope. Yeah, And I think because of the way Andor is structured, we're having some episodes where we don't see the hope. It's just dragging them through hell, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, And this is an episode where we get to literally ascend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, into the light. It's a cathartic episode. It's an episode that, Many characters are absolutely still trapped. They don't have their way out yet entirely, uh, but they're able to scream and shout about it. They're able to make choices. They're able to mm. assert themselves. They're able uh, to fight back, even if it's just the middle of the fight and we don't know how it's going to end. So that energy of here's a little bit of the, the beating heart of Star Wars, which is hope, mm. uh, you know, springing up and exploding. That's what got me in this episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. A big, well said, and 100%. And absolutely all my affirmative four center phrases thrown at you here. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I just think structurally that this,
2: I think a lot of the episodes have ended well thematically, but not necessarily the biggest energy beat to. They leave yeah. me wanting more, but they're not like that great kind of cliffhanger energy. Um mm-hmm. and Luthen's speech about his big speech giving it shape, uh ending with we we need heroes <laughs> and and Melshi, you know, yeah. is shoeless in the in the sand, snurt, <laughs> snow, whatever that is, you know, as mm-hmm. the future heroes of the rebellion, it was a thrilling, hopeful ending, even amidst this absolutely dark moment in the galaxy.
1: Yeah. 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 And you felt it. Yeah. And again, it worked so well with uh... Eight as well, but nine and ten, yeah, it, 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 um, it didn't have that wonderful, heartfelt, artistic downbeat ending that kind of rubs against me <laughs> from previous episodes. Nine yeah. flows so nicely into this, and and uh, I feel great going into episodes 11 and 12.
2: Yeah. One other overall thing I want to be sure to mention, because we'll talk about the content uh, of the contrasting speeches, right? There are two big speeches in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kino's, is he is talking to the entire prison— uh, uh, and Luthen's speech, uh, to Lani, and I was talking about the mixture of Andor being even more grounded than a lot of Star Wars, you know, storytelling can be very real world, but also mixed with this sort of the epic mm-hmm. and, and iconic. And I thought that was a really great and interesting stylistic contrast between those yeah. two speeches, even from a writerly uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Kino is is, is speaking to everyone he is making kind of a a, a speech to inspire Mm. but his speech is it's it's really grounded it's it's very specific to the actual situation and it is allegorical to larger ideas of hope in Mm. in a way that that kino is maybe not necessarily aware of right he he, he's not a speech writer right i don't i don't think kino in the moment is realizing when he's saying like uh lift each other up and and climb i think he means that effing literally right and he is not aware of like that was a great rhetorical spin because it literally means pick yourself, pick each other up and climb, but also philosophically. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's aware of that as a character. Yeah. We, the audience can pick up on that. And then in, in contrast, I feel like Luther's speech is it's soaring. It is Shakespearean. It's theatrical. It does come from the writer of house of cards.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> if you've ever watched that monologue rich show, um, hmm and and I do we can talk about this more, and i do think I do think Luther is is saying it for his benefit. I think he is saying it for his truth mm. uh but he is vastly aware of the meaning of it of the rhetorical power of it mm. he is mm-hmm. he is spitting his truth and his feelings, but he's also saying it to Lonnie to get something from Lonnie to keep Lonnie in line. so we have yeah. these these very contrasting speeches where one is very grounded uh mm. and and one is like very soaring and theatrical but they're both inspiring in their own ways
1: yeah and, and look i love both of them and, and we're not here to uh put anything in competition with one another i i, I was um, tremendously more moved by the kino one probably just things in life uh and if you're out there listening we're more moved by the uh stalin skarsgård speech that's the correct answer too uh, i think it was uh, kino lois came from this place of finally making a choice Mm-hmm. a choice that he had a choice that he knew he you know that's the stuff about last week's episode where it's like you know he's been thinking about escaping but he's been okay. holding on to this hope that now nah, i don't have to and and i don't need to and, and we're gonna get out of here and when all that crumbles and now seem here was it was hopeful it was uh it was very organic it was such a wonderful performance by Eddie circus without a doubt uh and i just i i I rewatch that one more again that is not putting things in competition just i was moved by that where luthan's it's complicated. It's a little more gray. I'm, I I would love to have a younger Luthan 15 years ago, mm-hmm. it, him making this choice, but it's all powerful. It all worked. And you're right. There's these two contrasts. And in the middle of it, can't wait to talk. You have my Mothma. And yeah, it's fascinating.
2: That's, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's a power in Kino's speech. Uh, I love the theme of Star Wars that, yep, we, we hear about Jedi and the importance of their mm-hmm. power and, in the Skywalker saga, you know, on, on a quick glance, seems dynastic because it's about a family who has power. But I feel like the message of Star Wars is always about Luke can't make that shot without Han Solo turning around. Everyone has power. Um, yeah. And, and there's a power in Kino's speech being or going, you're a leader like mm-hmm. me. You're good. You have this power. Do you want to use it? In yeah. Kino saying, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. So you're in the moment with him, where he's making yes. that choice to use his power, right? Yes. Whereas I think what's what's to me really enjoyable about Lutheran's speech, um, I I think a lot of people do this. I don't want to assume that everybody does this. I know I do it. Is when you have an issue that is vexing you,
3: um,
2: you sometimes are just going through your day to day life. You're, you're washing the dishes and you're running a monologue <laughs> that you want to say to someone, right? <laughs> uh, you, you've you've had it with X, Y, and Z, and and you are. Blaring your truth in your head, and that's what Luthen's speech feels to me mm-hmm. like. Like he, it's tactical. Lonnie need Lonnie asked, and Lonnie needs to hear it. Yes. But it's also felt like catharsis for Luthen because Luthen. Yeah. It felt to me like Luthen says, "I run this speech to myself every day because it's my truth. It's my prison. It's my validation. It's my everything. It's my thesis statement on Luthen. Yeah, and this is my chance to spit
1: it. I love this. You have just." So you've you've just said that Luther does shower speeches, which is so true. <laughs> Most of my best speeches and stand-up sets are done in the shower to a wall, where you just speak it <laughs> aloud to work it through, to work it through, to get out what's in your head, to communicate, to figure it out, to confirm. And Luther has confirmed things for himself for a very long time. And I really, I really think you're right. And both speeches, I want to make clear, have have huge impact. Uh, it was uh, it was spectacular. But yes, oh, fascinating.
2: Yeah. But they're just fascinating to compare and contrast on the intent of the character, yes. um, the the effect on the audience based on how much the character is aware that it is rhetorical. Honestly, the different writing style mm-hmm. of, of of writing a very theatrical speech for Luthen versus this just grounded, telling you what needs to get done today style of of Kino. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a key to some of the the big stylistic you know uh, variations that Star Wars can contain and that and or contains. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Awesome. Let's move on then uh, from just our, those were just our overall thoughts. Now we're going to get into the details about big (laughs) themes, ideas at stake in this episode. Um, Can I, I I think you and I are interested in a similar thing. So do you Mm -hmm. mind if I I start us out?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: So I I think, you know, there are a bunch of different thematic ideas that we've talked about uh, that are coursing through and or that we've kind of zeroed in on on specific uh, episodes of the podcast. Because I think they're a little bit more present in specific episodes of Andor, uh, and I think they're kind of all here, right? The mm-hmm. themes of being trapped, uh, themes of living double lives, having to wear masks, um, how much power uh, you get from knowledge and from communication, uh, what is the cost of rebellion—all uh, those ideas are here. And and one I've been um, obsessed with <laughs> mm-hmm. is this question that Andor keeps uh, presenting: of why are people in the fight, how much for them is it about the personal uh, versus the ideological or mm-hmm. the cause and uh, the balance between people who are committed to the cause, but saying, but I still need to really have empathy, compassion, concern, care for all of the individuals, mm-hmm. and then the characters who are utterly committed to the cause, the ideology first, and they are willing to. And, and braced to sacrifice uh, life, uh, connection, compassion in service of the cause. Right? And We've seen that contrast between uh, Vel and Senta. We're seeing it certainly between Mothma and Luthen in this episode. Cassian cares deeply about people, and mm. everybody's pushing him like, "Go, okay? Can you can you now transfer that to caring about the entire cause?" Mm. Uh, so it's just it's been out there a ton, and I think this episode. The the prison break uh, obviously is huge, but uh, the contrast between what's going on with Luthen and Mothma mm-hmm. in their challenges in this episode is uh, uh, really I think about this sort of personal versus ideological or or you know personal versus the, the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, even the title "One Way Out" you know really connects to Luthen's speech. The in his opinion, the Empire has created a galaxy where where violent rebellion. Where lots of sacrifices have to be made, what are you gonna do is the only option right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this 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 thought to me that this there's a possibility that andor is showing us that Luthen built this network Luthen built this system but Luthen's not going to be here forever mm-hmm. and it is eventually going to become mothma's going to take this system and Mothma's going to shape it into the rebellion we know there's that there's mm-hmm. that possibility uh, which really raises this question of if Luthen and Mothma are lockstep on, yes, this fight must be fought. Yes, I'm willing to make personal sacrifices.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It raises that question of, well, if you're agreed that the fight has to happen, now the question is, how do you go about the fight? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular in this episode, right, we, we've we been talking for multiple co- podcasts, many other people have, about Luthen seems to think like, yep, I need to be rock hard. Nobody or nothing matters. I'll sacrifice anything. Mm. Clearly, it doesn't make him happy. He has those moments of pain yeah. in doing it, but he's committed, right? And that's, his, that's his, his shower speech that he gets to give to Lonnie in this episode, right? <laughs> it, you could boil down this speech to, you know, my dedication is to the cause and people need to be sacrificed for the cause. I've sacrificed my soul. Mm. I've sacrificed my humanity that's my answer i'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat defeat them i will sell my i will and i have personally sold my soul Mm -hmm. uh to to the cause right um and then in contrast to that what's going on with mothma is she confirms her a personal line in the sand right Mm -hmm. of uh, we can get into the complexity of what chandrillin marriages are and what exactly is being said and yeah. how much of a trap and how awful uh, are uh, chandrillin marriage traditions. That's certainly put out there for us to think about. Mm-hmm. But just getting into Mothma's headspace that uh, from Mothma's perspective, it seems like she is being asked, will you sell your daughter mm-hmm. to a life of unhappiness for the sake of the rebellion? And her initial answer is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Which is this great contrast, and I think it, it it puts this utter focus on the climax of the Mothma money subplot, which mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season could just be kind of seen as like, oh yeah, that's how she's contributing to the fight. She's trying to find some money. Oh, she's right. she's trapped. How, how you know blatant can she be It's a spy thriller? Ooh, and now we're getting now we're at the heart of it, right? Mm-hmm. Of that that scene with Mothma is left with her being rock-solid of saying, I'm not thinking about it. Uh, and and <laughs> Davos Scalden uh, um <laughs> turn around and going, no, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Yeah, Which raises this question of, is Mothma going to come around to Luthen's current perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Does she say stay steadfast, which in some ways would make the show a message of um you know we can choose how we fight i am committed to the rebellion but that's a line i can't cross that's a that's a personal cost that isn't fair that would be one message if she does not take this deal right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if she does take the deal and decide it is a then the show is a little bit of a message of kind of agreeing with Luthen of some really brutal sacrifices are necessary for the cause um then there's even, like, it, d- does she get creative? Does she find choice? Does she find a third way? Does she say, "I'm what I'm fighting for is freedom. What is freedom? Freedom is personal choice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask my daughter what she wants, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but to me, we're now sort of, like, at that point where Mothma's decision is a lot of what the show is going to be saying in terms of morality tale of what do you sacrifice for a rebellion? Certainly you're going to sacrifice some people dying, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully willingly, but how much of your soul do you sacrifice? How much of the, the entire causes soul can you sacrifice and still be fighting the good fight? That question is on the table, in my opinion. And I, now that I'm done with my monologue, I apologize. I'm so <laughs> curious to hear your thoughts.
1: No, no, I think it's a, it's a, it's important to get it all out there. I think we're of the same mind and, and, and when it comes down to the Mothma stuff, I think we've seen her make a decision. I don't know if it's the final final decision, and I think the show's g- got to answer that. It has to answer that, because I think it's asking the question. Throw mm-hmm. Saw in there. Throw Luthan and Saw in there. I think we have to keep in mind that a lot of uh, what we're hearing and seeing is from Luthan's point of view. You and I have been talking about that on and off air. A lot of it's from Saw's point of view, and we're seeing a lot from Mon. And I do think it's asking that question. Uh, and, I, I, you know, talk about what's at stake in this episode, I, I wrote two things uh for what's at stake freedom i won't let you down freedom uh that's big uh but how do you get there and the cost identifying the cost deciding if the cost is worth it knowing you paid the price a long time ago and coming to terms with that i love that line of drop of discomfort maybe the price of doing business but it's kind of a scummy (laughs) dude saying it so what is actually the best path who's going to make the actual changes this is thematic conversation but it's also conversation in the star wars world with the rebellion and i love that uh, mm-hmm. we might know somewhat of the answers we know where mothma ends up but throw that out as best you can this is a fascinating dive much like i why did i love the kenobi series it took a story i was familiar with and zeroed in on how we got to places how we went from one spot to another and in that comes the lessons for life and right now i i i um i'm with you i i the show uh, we talk about voting. Like, uh, we're all looking at Mothma to put the final vote pebble in the jar <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to see what the show is really truly saying. Because I want, I would, know, here's what I would love. Luthen's speech is a banger. It's a Hall of Fame speech. No doubt Stellan Skarsgard's one of the best actors of our generation or oh, any. I would love to see Luthen back on the Fondor. Right after that moment, knowing mm-hmm. that he has condemned 50 men to, uh, or I say men in a general term, sorry, uh, 50 rebels um, to death. Mm-hmm. What does he really think about that? Mm-hmm. And we don't know that right now. So his speech is looking really good. It's looking like an Emmy winner. I think he should go to circus. It's looking like an Emmy winner. But I want to know what he thinks in his darkest, quiet shower moments versus what Mothman's dealing with right now. And it's not as, you're right. It's, 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 it's not this, uh, uh, sorry, it's a Game of Thrones thing. It's not the same. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But like, S- Stannis Baratheon loses himself time and time again. And the final thing is he gives his uh, daughter no choice but to die. And he pays dearly, pays with his life, and he pays with his cause. Now, the rebel cause is a little more justified, a little more uh, righteous than the cause of Stannis Baratheon <laughs> Game of Thrones. I want to be clear about that. But that's yeah. the lesson of Stannis. The thing you feel you have a right to, the thing you want to accomplish can destroy you if you, don- if, if you lose yourself in- on-, on, the, on the way. And, and Mothman's at that point. And that, that, that Genevieve O'Reilly uh, clenching her jaw and her neck and her throat as uh, Davo scumbag walks away.
2: Yeah. That oh, shudder. Yeah, it says shuddering in the, in the, the screen cool. captures. But yeah, like it, it really cool. is. And we're reminded in that scene that like, yep, you are kind of contained by your position. Mm-hmm. You have to be very careful about what you say. But you're also known as this kind of quiet powerhouse who gets to the point. And just mm-hmm. seeing her visually, physically try to contain what Luthen gets to let out at the end of this episode. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. my not my daughter because
1: yeah, because it's it, it's not it's it's and that that's good that's reason enough for me i'm rooting by the way i'm rooting for mothma <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> let me just put that on the table and i love luther <laughs> luther might be one of my favorite star wars characters right up there was Sa who's one of my favorite star wars characters not because i think he's always right yeah, uh i think he's intriguing lesson. yeah he's intriguing yes he, he he asks questions demands answers and creates more and that's the point point. and i think luther's in that in that spot too. Luton's fantastic, but I, I'm kind of rooting for Mothma's way here. Cause it's not just simply her, her, her daughter and her marriage and which is, by the way, would be reason enough, but it's, 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 it's your very soul. It's, 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 it's do you, are you going to give up what you believe? Look at this. There's a reason we got this horrible marriage that we're seeing with Perrin, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just that, you know, there's a lot of Perrin brings a lot of thematic value to this, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You're just very, you got me thinking, cause even Val, Vel repeats the line that Sinta said to her to Mothman episode nine, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the rebellion comes first. We take the rest. And I don't think Vel believes it.
2: Yeah. I you know what I you know what I think it is a, it is about ultimately in lots of ways, is the rebellion does certainly require sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. The the Empire has set up a scenario where Needs in to be, order yeah. to overthrow, throw Palpatine, some amount of violence is is unavoidable, right? They, they, our, our rebel heroes, Mothma and Bail. they try and they try, right? Uh, yeah. We've got lots of expanded storytelling and publishing about how much they try to find any other way. So yeah. th- these causes are going to cause loss. They're going to cause pain. Mm-hmm. Now, as an individual walking through that, you can shut down, right? And say, that's the way it is. And I, I have, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've made my mind a sunless space. Mm-hmm. Or you can still feel every loss and every death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In which is harder, in which is scarier. And in the Star Wars story so far, who 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 locks down their heart and who keeps their heart open while having to walk through all that that loss? That's Leia, right? That's Leia. I mean, there's a lot of characters, right? And it's Leia's like, I have lost, I'll I'll lost I'll hell. enter the 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 ranking competition of who has lost the most. <laughs> it's Holdo's speech to Leia. And like, yeah, but you showed us all how to do it. You kept your heart open. Mm-hmm. You do what needs to be done and you bear the sacrifices, but you keep your heart open. And I feel like Luthen and, and, and the, the conflict between Vel and Sinta is complex and it's more than this. But yeah, yeah, Vel's trying to keep her heart open, and Sinta's basically just saying, like, yeah, if we have time after the cause, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we could have emotion but we just need to lock down. Clea's all locked down, right? Like, yeah. the, yep, hey, people people die. What are you going to do? Luthen's claiming that he's all locked down. Mm-hmm. And Mothma is so far saying, like, I cannot. I, I, I am doing this because I care. So I can't yeah. shut off the part of myself that cares.
1: It's not a zero sum game. You're so right, Delay, the, 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 the eyes of of Leia on crate uh, That's that's a lot of what's going on in the Last Jedi for me, and always has been. And and you look at her as her and Pad very steadfast characters, and I think you're you're seeing Mothma rise in that too. And they're all on the same side. And they're all the same thing. And and I think I and by the way, I, 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 this is the show. I'm, I'm curious to see where the show comes down on this. And we're going and we're racing in season two. We're going to race towards events that we know. We're going to race towards Rogue One. We might pass the Gorman speech. We might pass all that stuff. I just think this episode really drove drove this all home and, and, and this episode is about the cost that's clearly the, the theme mm-hmm. no way out with an exclamation point is the title but it might as well be a question mark to me and there's different ways it's going to hit you different ways it's clearly hitting you and i different than maybe other folks and, and you and i might even glom onto different things within our conversation here mm-hmm. but in terms of talking about the rebel alliance is talking about the themes this yeah to me you cannot tell me that this episode did not raise questions as opposed to uh, say a statement
2: no, I, I really love what you're saying because I feel like one way out, obviously it's this the, this great chant and mm-hmm. uh, in, in beacon of, of hope for the prisoners. But from the Lutheran perspective, he's making that statement to Lonnie and, mm-hmm. and showing us who, who he is, uh, that he thinks there's one way out of this and it is to use the tactics of the oppressor to defeat mm-hmm. the oppressor. Uh, and I think Mothma is like saying, uh, you know, I don't know if we only have one way out. In fact, I love how loaded on every level that conversation with the Davos scumbag, as we're now officially calling it, <laughs> um, when they're, where they're just having, they're both testing each other and, and mm-hmm, all that, mm-hmm. and all that great stuff great, that, great that is, it, yeah. is, but in like his, his uh, sort of disparaging how kind of old and fuddy duddy her apartment, you yes. know, is Martha says, it, you know, it's state property and says our choices for change are limited. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> even that is a great loaded line where she's like, ah, but they're limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not going to have my power entirely taken away from me here. I'm, I'm still making a choice. Yeah. Uh, in, in this con- conversation about what we still don't know about Luthen, I thought that was very interesting. Um, w- when he was, uh, saying uh, to, well, we learned that, that he had Lonnie, you know, placed in, yeah. in ISB, uh, in his strategically giving, Lonnie information about the rebellion to make him rise at the ranks of the Aspie, And he says, uh, Lucent says specifically, your career has profited greatly from information that we've provided. And then he adds, information that cost me dearly. Mm. And that to me was a reminder of, we kind of still don't know what that uh, Sky Kyber means to him, but he said something similar to Andor of like, it's got this financial value and I'm willing to lose it, but it has much more value to me, right? There's, Mm. there is the implication that You know, Luthen is probably somebody who was always against the Empire, Mm -hmm. as he saw it being born, but has something, something or someone he specifically lost or maybe even sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think that the show is necessarily going to be this on the nose, but it really invited me. I don't think necessarily it's going to be like, yep, I gave my child up. Right, right, right. It is as, you know. A, a rebel to be caught to Telani. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily going to be on that on the nose, but it feels like it is, is drawing a line that Luthen made some choice that is comparable to Mothma sacrificing her daughter that led him to where he is mm-hmm. and said, I, I faced this choice and I decided the cause over everything, the cause over my soul, mm-hmm. the cause over other people, the cause over my soul. Uh, the cause over individuals and now he's got this perspective that that's the only way Mm. Mm. and i think what you and i are really talking about is is mothma's choice gonna validate that perspective or is mothma's you know Mm -hmm. uh, choice going to challenge that and going to lead us into what mothma builds which is an alliance Mm -hmm. that doesn't take action without voting that that does say that some tactics are too far that's Mm. that's you know it's where that's go. where canon matters. That's where lore matters. That's yeah. where emotional canon matters. That's the rebellion that
1: Mothma builds.
2: Yeah, it, and and we're at the precipice yeah. of how does that happen on a philosophical level?
1: Yeah, but, And no one here's suggesting that Mothma says, "Well, pack it in, let the Empire have its day." I'm not. I'm not going to have my daughter get married. Right? It, 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 it's just so much more complicated than that because you got this prison break, which has these great great no one is getting out we are, we either die here or die out there the the beauty the beautiful ending whatever happens now we made it i love that with cassie and Tamelshi mm. you know this is about i don't say winning but it's about this change it is about the cause but how you get it's about yeah,
2: yeah it's it's we're we are going to fight that's mm-hmm. not the question the question is how are we going to fight yeah um mm-hmm. yeah and, and i thought you know luthan and mothma were, were the the hinge of of this you know, part of the story about balancing the, the, the personal with the, the cause and the ideology. But I thought it was great that, that Cassian's care for the people is on display. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I thought it was like a telling moment when he doesn't kill those two yes. I- imperial workers. Right. Yes. Um, I thought it was such a great bittersweet ending where he turned, he's not just thinking about himself. He turns back for Kino, right. And mm. asks Kino at the precipice of his own freedom. Mm ask Kino what's wrong in the bittersweet like it looks like Andor's moving to be like I'm going to give you a swimming lesson or I'm going to come up with a plan where uh, Melshi and I are going to carry you and and he gets knocked off right because it's just it's just another reminder of who Cassian is. Cassian cares Mm. about people which sets up you know his, his ultimate journey in Rogue One which is at some point Cassian accepts that this cause, the rebellion, will cost his life, but he's going to keep asking himself, will it, will it cost my soul? And, and yeah. that's his declaration to Jin of like, yes. I can't let this cost my soul. If I didn't go to Scarif with you and try to make a difference, mm-hmm. then the answer that I'm raising now in this episode would be final. It cost my soul. I did all these things and it didn't end up mattering. It's got to matter.
1: It's got a better – yeah, that, again, that's – we know where we're ending, right? And it's the benefit of that and, and, and drilling down on how we get there. Yeah, I, I, I'm really with you because you know, I think that you keynote speech, that line that a lot of people are, are, are glomming on to, which is great. You you need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving. You keep moving until we put this place behind us. Uh, none of that reeks as uh, 50 of them can go, <laughs> which by the way, sounds like I'm angry at Luther I'm not. I just I, – I'm intrigued by the questions this episode's asking
2: yeah yeah absolutely i'm very intrigued by it and final thing on this kind of uh the personal versus the cause the ideology i I already thought that that was interesting interesting that that's actually what's at stake with lonnie Mm -hmm. Uh, lonnie wants out of the cause because of the personal he's a father now you know Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm sure he doesn't want his his daughter to grow up in the empire but you know it, it it lonnie's having a similar reaction that cassian did or cassian's kind of being offered like join the rebellion make a difference and he's like no i just need to check on marva I just mm-hmm. need to run away with Marva, you know, mm-hmm. it, a really, really interesting, understandable. I just need to take care of my people, the closest to me versus making this sacrifice to be a part of the larger cause. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me me start there. Cause I just, I, I feel like that's, it was, was, I think, you know, the Luth and Mothma perspective is, was kind of at the heart of the episode, I think for, for both of us, but I'm I'm yeah. very curious to see where you want to take the conversation next.
1: I, I think a lot of it just goes going into the the the, the prison escape, which is just an amazing uh, you know little sequence as well. I, I just uh, absolutely mm. tension filled, pulse pounding, just so well and and so earned. And I'll say so earned mm-hmm. with the other two episodes. This is why the show is doing these arc things, and and I love it. And then it's a rewarding binge watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think in that. Um, in that sequence, and I, I think it's that. I mean, quite frankly, what, you, what we're talking about with Mothman Luthan and everything is, is, is just attached to everything in this episode for me. Yeah. Uh, but the, the idea that these questions and these paths and choices show up when uh, you're not ready, uh, shows up when they're ready. <laughs> and I think that's, mm. I love, because we especially, again, the, talking about, I'm glad these are weekly, by the way, but the binge model, I get it. Finishing episode nine, about 30 minutes before this episode. And then you got the no more than twelve, and you're like, "Yes, and then this episode picks up with Kino Lowe going, you're insane. We can't do this now. Mm-hmm. I gave you this information, but you didn't mean today did you and And I do like that all these big questions we are asking in this episode that we feel this episode's asking, do you want to have your daughter be in this marriage? Do you want to sacrifice your young one year old daughter because you're spy- Lutheran my I think you're right too by the way. that's very interesting to me that we got. A 13-year-old daughter here. you got a one-year-old kid with Lonnie, great name. And then you got Luther and Haydn's some sacrifice because that's the question. What do you sacrifice? What do I sacrifice? Uh, you know, everything. Um, I, I don't know. I just – but these all show up when you're not ready. It shows up when the choices are ready for you.
2: Yeah, no, and I I think that even matches a line that even though I don't like him, uh, Davos Scumbag says about, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write this one down, like, I I find our conditions make our choices for us often,
1: you know? Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yes, there it is. Um, Our our position sometimes makes decisions for us, don't you find, Senator? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do love the devil scumbag has some points to make. I guess I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, He was it was fast. It's fascinating when people like that show up because even it's funny. His line, uh, one of the indulgences of great wealth is freedom from other people's opinions. I take that as bad, but I guess some people can take that as good. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I take. It as I mean. Bad. I think it is pretty bad. I mean, I think I think a, one of the big things that's going on mm-hmm. in this episode that is throughout Andor, but was highlighted by a lot of lines, is this idea of power. What is it,
3: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because when when Cassian in, in you know the most uh, tense post shower scene we've seen in Star Wars <laughs> 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 with Kino at the beginning is is trying to get Kino like you're saying to be like the time is now. If you're going to do this, yeah. you know you, you don't get to you don't get to sit and think about it. Unfortunately, circumstances are are pushing us. Um, yeah. You know they have that back and forth of you know how much power does the empire have right now? And Mm -hmm. Cassian's got that great line of power. Power doesn't panic. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he, you know we're seeing in this episode Cassian's his leadership abilities, uh, Mm -hmm. his observation uh, skills, his team building his yep. knowing when to take the lead himself and knowing that he needs to hand it off to kino because kino is the person they have a relationship with all those things are a form of power cassian has this power which been reminded of again and again right mm-hmm. this prison break doesn't happen with cassian having yeah. those powers and using those powers uh and it leads to to kino great speech to the prisoners which he's still even after the the breakout needs to be Pushed by Cassian, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that 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 was a speech uh, uh, where Kino was feeling his own power because his leadership is a power that mm-hmm. he can choose to use, and the speech was about empowerment. I mean that that was another thing that was it, it would always hit me this way, but it hit me extra hard because I watched this on election day. That that was a literal physical how to handle a prison break everybody mm-hmm. speech, but it also read as a let's get out the vote speech, right? I mean. <laughs> Yeah. wherever you are right now, get up, stop the work, you know, and not get out of your cells, drive somebody to the polling place, <laughs> yeah, yeah. take charge and start climbing. Uh, you know, literally take charge and start climbing. It's just so, it's so mm-hmm. poetic without being over the top, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if we can fight half as hard as we've been working, uh, we will be home and no time. It's just a rousing speech of we're all connected we're all in this together. Let's try to be in this together. You have power as an individual. We have even more power as a group. All of it to me really is about power.
1: There's more of us, Po. There's more of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a repeated theme for a reason. It was done in such a wonderful way because we all knew we all knew a prison break was coming, right? <laughs> no, mm-hmm. because the trailers showed it. By the way, um, but the way they got there—that's the value. How you get there in these stories. Uh, I love that it was. Um, Tension filled. Uh, you didn't. I didn't know who's gonna die. I, in a weird way, I like. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, who's our Who's our friend that went down first? Uh, Burnock, a true mm-hmm. believer, man. Rest right. in peace for Burnock, and dies unceremoniously. You don't even see his face. Blaster shot. Boom. Gone. Done. Um, But yet this sequence went beyond just a prison break, a thriller. It went to rousing, inspirational, important. I took more from this stuff. Again, oh, man, I love you, (laughs) Luthan. He's been my favorite so far. (laughs) But that line, you need to help each other, man, that that has more real-world resonance for me right now. And that's why I just love that sequence over and over and over again I watched it.
2: Yeah, no, it was really powerful, uh, really even tension. I was kind of like, well, okay, when I watch it again this morning, you know, mm. how much tension is there, is there still going to be? And the answer is lots, lots. <laughs> lots. Uh, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I, I thought even, even with Mothma, you know, we've, we've talked about that scene a lot, but that scene also felt to me all about power. Right. Um, yeah, because Mothma has a lot of power. She has wealth, which is a kind of power. She has mm. political station, which is a kind of, uh, power. We've also spent a lot of time this whole uh, show seeing the different ways that she's trapped by the mm. empire, uh, by what this episode makes even more clear of the old traditions of Chandrilla. Um mm. uh, But she is still, and she's coming to to Davos scumbag because he has a kind of power that he's flaunting, right? Yeah. Uh, and that 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 scene could have ended up being her giving into something, right? But it, it was a scene about power because at least for now, without any doubt, without any pause, she said no and get the F out of my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean,
1: almost if she says power doesn't panic and I ain't panicking kid, get out of here. Yep. Kick power, I
2: mean, and obviously she, she, <laughs> she is, you know, in, in a state of, of yeah. terror about how she's going to, how she's going to figure it out. Right. Indeed. But yeah, when, when a line like, oh man, I'm trying to even look up uh, what was like, Tay will see you out. like, just like never more than 12 has now become like one of the most powerful quotes you can see. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: "Tay will see you out is now like the, I'm going to say that anytime I need to emotionally say, you know, yeah. get the F out is, "Tay will see you
1: out. <laughs> now, one of the things I love about this sequence too, I love, I love the themes that you we're pulling out of here. And I think you're right about them here, but, uh, it's great line from Davo. And he, and I, I did not look up the actor. Though I'll tell you, for a second, I thought it was Stephen Delane, Stannis Baratheon, but more Stephen Delane when he played Thomas Jefferson in, and Sean Adams. It was a weird moment. <laughs> I was hoping he was in the show. But it was I did not look up the actor's name. He was wonderful. Uh One of the things I love about it is when we had the idea of da- Davo scolding, um, you know, an underworld kind of guy. I don't know. I had this thought of, like, is Hondo Anaka going to show? You know, not Hondo, but, like, that type of, like, Mm-hmm. flamboyant uh, scoundrel because it's Star Wars and, 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 and they went the other way they went the uh, Star Wars elite the Chandrillan dress and, and uh, an old stuffy uh, guy which makes him more dangerous I really love that choice there he had this great line people such as yourself people with immaculate reputation sometimes feel that by taking advantage of the opportunity they're somewhat tarnished and I think that was um, as, a, as a truth for Mampa that she weighed and went yeah kick rocks kid
2: yeah, no, it, it, everything he's saying is sort of situationally true, yes, right? Yes, He's yes, laying yes. out the problems correctly, but he's laying them out in a way to remind her that in his opinion, he has so much power over her. It, it, mm-hmm. The whole thing is a power game, right? It, and yeah. It's not just the ask for his, his son. That's clearly what he wants. That's why he wants to see her in person because he wants to look her in the eye and says, everybody says you're real powerful. I'm going to show you that I have power over you. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. is yeah. Uh, Richard Delane uh, plays well, Davo. It's got to oh. be whoa,
1: whoa, what? That's got to be a brother then. Hold on,
2: Richard Delane. That. All right, oh, <laughs> hey everybody, pause <laughs> podcasting for some. <laughs> it's got to be gang.
1: <laughs> I'm looking this up. He's got to be a brother, or a cousin, or or, or something there. Uh, his his brother Stephen Delane. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> It, is Stephen, is Stephen uh, delane stannis? Is, is stannis baratheon your beloved stannis well no there
2: wonder we well look at the delane family is just great at playing likable
1: a-holes it's that's amazing, amazing. I absolutely i should have looked it up last night i was i was i was still worried about keno swimming so i didn't look up the credits that's amazing he looks just like Stephen delane when he played thomas jefferson and john adams amazing hey All right. turns out people have brothers and sisters
2: yeah, it turns out I've I've seen Richard Lane in uh, everything from Doctor Who to Outlander. Uh, just a great character actor, clearly. <laughs>
1: what a great foreshadowing yeah. moment! Did they look up the cast list before they recorded? Nope, they didn't.
2: <laughs> hey man, I got six pages of notes, <laughs> yeah, but everyone's yeah, wow. Most, so most of the time we good. do. Yeah, I ha- at this point, I have. I'm I'm even going to scan. I have uh, three pages, three pages worth of just names and places in Andor. <laughs> There's so many characters, yeah. many of them. Rest in
1: peace. That's amazing. Uh,
2: we we talked a little bit about the, the games of power, and mm-hmm. we haven't got a chance to talk about about Dedra a lot because she's had kind of a smaller role this episode. Yeah, yeah, but I really think an interesting thing is going on with the little scenes we've seen of of Dedra. There were big scenes for Dedra last episode. Yeah, but there's a thing going on with her where she is, uh, she's she's going up in the world in the ISB, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a classic kind of Star Wars dark side thing, right? Of she is not able to enjoy her success or her power because she is terrified of keeping it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not the power of conviction. It's not the power of of soul necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. She obviously has skills and talents, and and they are aiding her. Mm-hmm. But what she is grabbing towards is institutional power that can be conferred to her by Daddy Partagas mm-hmm. and all the daddies and mommies higher <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm.
2: in in the imperial chain. Right. And it's a it's a real light touch but but I think it's building right um there was that awkward moment the last episode where her her attendant uh, who who used mm. to kind of be her confidant yeah jumped up and answered a question for her right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she didn't like it right mm. and then this one she tries to hand daddy Partigas the her data pad and he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't really care he doesn't and he's playing with her he's playing with her by agreeing with Lonnie's successful yeah. suggestion and she just kind of storms out so so we're, we're seeing this power dynamic with, with Dedra, where mm. we still we, we know that she is, has no compulsion about fulfilling imperial ideology. Mm. Torture, murder, lies, it's all fine. We know that truth, mm. but we still don't know why. Does she, does she believe at all? Or yeah. is there anything personal motivating her? Or is she just a, this is the system I was born into, I don't question it, I, this is the game and I play it the best, period. Uh, We still don't know these things. And the fact that we are watching her ascend and spending Mm -hmm. time with her, mostly being nervous about losing any of the ground she's gained Mm -hmm. is a powerful statement about power and and about how different ideologies reward you good, bad, or otherwise about how they pursue it. You know, Luthan, Vel, Sinta, Cassian, eventually Mothma, they're all fighting Mm -hmm. to to free the galaxy from tyranny uh, and, and, Dedra's just trying to bring the boot down harder and she
1: doesn't look like she's having a fun time with it <laughs> no not at all this is a gr- i'm glad you brought this up uh because i love the part of guess moment where he's just like it is wonderful trench coat it's a great trench coat uh <laughs> daddy was at brunch right yeah, he was at brunch it was raining of course at uh, <laughs> daddy's help because i think there's even rain that that the great scene with Davo. there's like rain on the windows i love the little detail so he shows a trench coat and uh yeah, that data pad. Look at my look at my iPad. No, I don't care. Uh, I, I, it was fascinating,
2: and, and it was almost a. Uh, th- that's a cute drawing. We could put it on the
1: fridge. <laughs> yeah, what did you? Not real business. You got an etch a sketch there, kid. Uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that you brought that up because Vel has this great line uh, last week with, with Mothma about about choice, right? About the side, what, and 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 you know, l- l- let it be known, Mothma's chosen. It's okay to be like, did I choose right? Man, this is tough. I think it's okay to ask questions. And Motham's asking questions. Even good old Lonnie in his red hair is asking questions. But uh, in his stash. But I, 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 Val says we've chosen a side against, we're against the dark side. And this is a show that that does not bring in the force to everyone's applauding that. Yay, no Jedi. Get those stupid Jedi out of stupid Star Wars. But this show is still dealing with light and the dark. And the dark side destroys, light side builds. That's not a new theme here. And, 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 and Dedra Mera, and especially with some of the interviews now out there, gosh, everyone stop talking. Just get on the shows and write the shows and stop talking. But we, we, this is a fascist. And yeah, we mm-hmm. were, were rooting for her because if you're if you're tuned into the struggles that a woman might have in a workplace, and you look around and you, and you realize she's the only one, I used to not be tuning that stuff. And one time in Screen Junkies, I once, again, I'm again, not, I'm not an effing hero here, but I looked around a, a, a meeting at Screen Junkies with like 40 people. There's two women. Like, well, this doesn't seem right. When you're tuning into that, you do start rooting for Didra. Didra, sorry, you do, and it's designed that way. And to have it come to this episode where it's like great, but you're not rooting for her now because she's horrible with Bix. She's all in and what is her sacrifice? Nothing. A pay raise, a power grab and Blevin. you don't even Blevins not in here. He's gone. He had all the power. He's gone. Um, And there's a great moment when Lonnie is pitching what you're just saying, undercutting her. We should do what we normally do. Watch it again, folks, if you haven't seen the episode again. He gives a look to Portagas that you're like, you yell the Hux line. I'm the spy. I'm the spy. It's me. I'm the spy. And I didn't see it the first time because you're looking at all of the things, and it's not just a ooh a reveal, a, an Easter egg. Look, it's just like wow, he's got something to lose, and it's mm-hmm. a different energy. His life, his kid, he's got something to lose. He's fighting for something bigger, and her energy is exactly what you're describing. The dark side destroys, and I'm climbing, and there's nothing I, I can. I never, I can never stop climbing because that's the game I'm in.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's the power to me of like, yeah, Dedra is going on on Vader's journey, right? And this is mm-hmm. the the mystical story of the dark side, but it's also the uh, nuts and bolts story of the actual uh, philosophy of authoritarianism in tyranny, right? Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. the the stated goal when everybody applauds for the creation of the empire as mm. the others won't get us. We're going to be really strong so no one can ever take anything from us. So if the philosophy you're all buying into in all agreeing is uh, someone is always trying to take your stuff. You should always be afraid of that and you should always be willing to attack. That's not a philosophy that is going to cause people to come together mm-hmm. because by definition, it, it, you, it's all great when you're in the moment and you're cheering and you've all identified, sure, the separatists are the others. But now here in this office, everyone you work with is your other. Mm-hmm. That, um, that you know, Hurt, her attendant Hurt, mm-hmm. uh, that was her confidant that she could let down her guard and take mm-hmm. aspirin in front of. Now he's the other yeah, yeah. that she has to fight, right? yeah It, 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 it just, it, Star Wars is so great at exposing the pain of a philosophy that is all about having power and being afraid to lose it, because it makes you be alone and makes it so you can never enjoy what you do have.
1: It makes you lose who you are.
2: And it makes you turn on everyone. Yeah. And what is, eventually?
1: Yeah. What is that worth?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, which this is what's great about Andor, if like really trying to be like Star Star Wars, lays these these ideas down, but but Andor's digging in. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I do just want to take a moment to to hear your reading of Mothma marriage stuff. Right? Um, mm-hmm. There's kind of a discussion of the nature of Chandrillan marriages. Of, uh, of Davo kind of being like, yeah, they're this kind of creaky old tradition, but at least everybody knows oh where you stand. Mothma kind of plays along. Mm-hmm. Then when when Davo's like, well, what's the big deal? It's Chandrillan tradition. You don't want your daughter to to you know follow that. And Mothma's fiery. What makes you think I approve of that tradition? That stuff's all, all relatively clear. Her marriage clearly isn't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she doesn't want her daughter to, to follow that path. But there's a specific interchange, right, where where Davo throws out, I've met your husband several times. And Matha says, I'm sure. And he goes, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Nope, mm-hmm. we're not. How did, uh, how did you read that? I felt like there was some ambiguity of, of does that mean... Since, since Davo is, you know, uh, 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 a thug as is, is Mothma calls him, but you know, a mm. little bit of a, a gangster scoundrel, maybe running various businesses of ill repute. Mm. Did you take that as Mothma saying like, yeah, I know he runs around behind my back doing what with Davo?
1: Um. First of all, I thought maybe maybe they just had a, an open marriage. Uh, I don't know. No. Uh, <laughs> so I I think that to, to me that is one of the
2: things on the table. So uh, I, yeah. I, okay. I feel like it was really open ended. Of like, I I am very well aware because he even responds of like, well, it's it's good to know where your boundaries are. Yeah, I felt like it was maybe saying like, yeah, but it's good that you know that this is that your marriage is a political arrangement. Yes. And there's no love in it. And I know that you're. I don't actually even. I mean, I do care. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. But like. I feel like what what is ultimately being said is it doesn't matter if parents having an affair with Davo, if if, mm. if parents going to a brothel owned by Davo, yeah. if, if parents uh, sinking money in in Davo's casino, or if yeah. you know yeah. if, if uh, parents investing in the the Star Wars version of NFTs, whatever <laughs> he whatever he's doing that Mothman doesn't agree with, yeah, it's yeah. the fact that this is a marriage where Mothma is aware that we are not aligned on, on who we are. This is a strategic partnership I was forced into when I was a child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I go to that in a lot of ways. And I, and I agree with you on some of it. It just seems like, um, you know, uh, even go back to some of the early conversations of, uh, Perrin kind of being like, I don't even know what you're doing. Like, oh, that's so, so embarrassing for you, Perrin. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> uh, but the idea that is this old custom, it clearly uh, arranged that the, the, being betrothed seems to be, you know, it's, it's almost very game of Thronesy, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. or medieval times. I think it's played that way. And, and there's such a sadness into it and such a loss of agency. Uh, even though there's some references to Perrin being a firebrand of the Academy and, and, and maybe early on, uh, you know, who, yeah. you know, two attractive people get put locked in a room, spin the bottle. Maybe things are good for a bit. You know, you can make it work. And then and then it's such a hollow thing. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, just so sad it, it, yeah. it, it, on a simple level. And it gives uh, deeper levels of, of choice and, and agency and everything with, with, with Lita, why she wouldn't want to put her. And, and, you know, at this point, 13, Lita's at times, uh, you know, not the best attitude, but I get it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep understandable not growing up in a in a happy environment and now yeah now i want to see the ancient chandralin uh, tradition of spin the squig you have to spin the little worm thing <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs> very disturbing uh so uh, what are what are any other ideas or themes that you want to explore in uh, in this episode
1: i uh, gosh i really do think um i dumped all of them on the table and we pulled them out quite well but um yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, no. The, the one final big question I have is is what I love that this episode has, has done is just you know what, what's the best path. We all know it's headed in one direction, uh, but who's going to make the actual changes is important to me. It's important to figure that out. It's important to not just have a cause, but to um, what's the end game? How do you get there? And I think this episode uh, puts a lot of ideas out there that might uh, speak to a lot of us on a different level. And I love that it did that. And this is one of the things the show is doing really really well. I always say there's no gray areas in Star Wars, but it doesn't mean there isn't gray periods and gray eras and um, gray questions that you have to ask yourself. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, you'll get some answers. And this episode is putting a lot of uh, paths out there in front of you and saying one way out. Um, and I'm fascinated by that. It's going to be yeah. a rewatch for a lot of reasons.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, and it, this, this question goes through many, many parts of Star Wars of – you know, whenever characters retreat and decide not to get involved, the answer usually comes around like, well, but you should find a way to be involved. Mm, mm-hmm. You got to be involved, which then raises the question of how do you fight without losing your soul? You know, that's so much what's going on in Last Jedi of Luke. You know, yeah. Yoda basically telling Luke, like, y- 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 we're going to lose Ray if you just don't do anything. And Luke's mm. finding a way to be like, ah, this is the way I can do something that makes a difference that I won't lose my soul.
1: Yeah. You know? Yep. The how.
2: Yeah. Lots of great stuff. Last thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, I think it, it's been, uh, throughout Andor, you, you've brought it up a lot of episodes of like the, the double lives, the, you know, mm-hmm. the masks, um, so there's a lot of masks in, in hidden identity in this one. It, obviously Lonnie being a double agent, even, even Luthen's line about it of like of what Lonnie sacrificed a double life every day, a performance, yeah. uh, great stuff. Um, I, it was really, really affected uh by the wizard of oz moment with the voice of god in oh the prison. yes sir. right like i wrote that we, down we, too yes right i mean it's it's it was just in the credits his voice of god right and yep. it's always saying this like you know do this or we will randomly slaughter you the, the floor yeah. will become death right yes. this is a terrifying you know and to make people feel like this is too large for me to fight it's not a it's not a person it's not an individual it's nothing that can be Mm -hmm. hurt or reasoned with it's it's god it's truth Mm -hmm. it's power speaking to me reminding me that i my choice is gone you know yeah uh so to take all of that in transition directly from all of that voice of god to being you know uh, i don't know how, how old that actor is but to me that 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 actor was perfectly cast to look like a 26-year-old that is an assistant manager at Dairy Queen, right? <laughs> like, just not, not to take the person's power or agency away, but just, just a person, yeah. like all of us, yeah. you know? Not this heightened, epic, mythic, unstoppable, all-powerful voice of God, but a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I thought that was such a powerful version of... The Andor theme of of double double faces, true faces.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. This and I this I do know. It's, so it's Martin Ware who's the voice, and I do believe he was the actor. He was he's actually in casting. He's a, mm. a, a cast, and he and Nina gold work in the show. And, and but it was fantastic, and I'm glad you brought this up because I, I, I did. And we in our pages a notes, so I want to highlight. We both have, we didn't know Richard Delane, but we have a lot of notes on other things. Uh, I put the voice of God was one scared man, and I, I you know, and we're going back to Wizard mm. of Oz. Andor is just putting themes that have been out there since Judy Garland sang. And <laughs> it was very powerful to me. The the reveal of that is very intentional. You, cause you hear it, you hear it. And it's intimidating. And once once that that voice is on program, everyone goes to 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 on program. Uh Grace and I are trying to figure out why Cassian can't interlock to interlock his hands behind his head, but that's a different conversation. Um <laughs>
2: I, th- I feel like it's, uh, it's defiance. defiance? Right? Like, okay. I will touch my head, but only this much.
1: We're wondering <laughs> cast if Cast if Diego Luna has a shoulder problem, but, um, <laughs> but uh, that was an intentional reveal to me in such a wonderful way. And and, and you're absolutely right. Here's in, in, in an episode that's asking you, all right, so you've chosen the fight, you've chosen the cause, you've chosen why, and we're going to ask you how, uh, and a lot of fears in front of all those questions and steps and you got them and you got the guards who we had met at the beginning who, oh, we'll take you. You want to see. You. That's only level one of three. We're going to destroy you. And they're a- cowering with shh, shh, in a cl- supply closet. Uh, mm-hmm. Powerful imagery. Powerful imagery.
2: Yeah. And, and I like that the different different people are kind of coded differently mm-hmm. in, in the prison, even the Imperials, right? The guy with the Zap Rod who loves telling people about his Zap Rod. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. The guy who gave the speech when Cassian first arrived, it seemed to be, you know, luxuriating in the cruelty and the power right mm-hmm. yes. these two were coded as like uh, they're trapped too right they're they're doing their job you know uh, and, and not that that excuses them you know they, they pressed a button to kill a hundred people they have to be responsible for that but they didn't come across as like true believers right or that you know they're just you know trapped in uh, in this system and yeah, again, I want to be really, really uh, careful yeah. the way I say this. I'm not <laughs> absolving them of moral responsibility <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. pushing a button to kill 100 men. Yeah, yeah. But just the way they were, it, it could have been a different scene if they were like, you know, you rebel scum, right? In yeah, yeah. the fact that they're just like,
1: ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right.
2: Yeah. It, Good yeah, stuff. It, complexity. And final thing we, we've talked a little bit about, about Luthen, but I, I want to be uh, uh, sure to share. I think what, part of what was powerful about that scene was not just his speech, but the idea that this is Luthen with the mask off. This is Luthen as he truly, truly, truly deeply is. Yeah. You know, we, we've already seen him. We met him out and about in the, in the galaxy, making deals, you know, convincing Cassian, barking orders at, at Vel. But to see this real direct connection between him and the classic villains of Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. He is in the bowels. Of Coruscant, the kind—not the specific same places we've seen Darth Sidious meet people, but the kind of places mm. that Darth Sidious meets people. The 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 way that elevator door opens to a, a powerful figure in a dark billowing cape—that's Vader, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he was so coded as. I have, and, 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 and you know, it, it's not me saying it, it's, it's, it's him saying it. I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn mm. my decency for someone else's uh, future. Mm. So I just felt like it's like truly mask off. Yeah. Truly seeing Luthen the way Luthen sees himself. And ever since he popped up in the trailers, I've been like, cool, this character's interesting. I can't wait to learn how he's different from Saw.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we saw
2: some of that last episode where he's a little bit more pragmatic. He knows that you got to work together and share information, and mm-hmm. you know, build a consensus. But this episode had a different answer. Of oh, he's self-aware. Saw, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He saw who is really, really uh, looking at all of his choices and he knows and feeling them.
1: He yeah. knows, him. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a big theme. The episode is 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 what is the cost? He has asked himself that ten times over. Yeah,
2: absolutely. What is the cost? Well, the cost of us talking about this is a a long podcast. So uh, we are going to take a quick break unless you have anything else to add, Ken.
1: No, sir. No, sir.
2: All right. We are going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment to talk about canon action. Whimsy? We'll see. Back in a moment.
0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: And we are back to continue our discussion of episode 10 of Andor One Way Out? Question mark. We put the question mark there. It's not official. Not official Lucasfilm question mark there. Uh, we are going to get into talking about uh, any of the canon surprises or fun connections, some favorite action moments, favorite moments of of whimsy. We will see. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. We go first to any big canon surprises or fun connections. Uh, can I? I really only picked up on a, a couple of things. Maybe there's some real deep cuts that I, I mm. of course, could have missed. Uh, and almost more uh, emotional canon than mm. hey, we recognize that alien or that planet. Um, I thought it was really intriguing, and I, I'm very curious your thoughts on it. Of Um, obviously there was a dynamic with Cassian in, in, in Kino where Cassian could kind of try to fill the leadership void, but knew that, that in this circumstance, the people needed Kino's leadership, right? Mm -hmm. We see that in the, in the early scene when, when Cassian's telling them what's going on, but they're not going to believe it until they hear it from Kino, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then, uh, Cassian encouraging Kino, you know, to be the voice of God and say, (laughs) you have to be the one who makes the speech. But then within that, there's a fascinating moment where Kino, looking to inspire, uses Cassian's words that he said to him, right? He says, I'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want. And you know where I'm going with this. Yes, Uh, We have often talked about, sometimes even joked about, how, uh, you know, Jen Erso deserves credit for a million things. But she always gets credit for the, quote, rebellions are built on hope. But what she is doing is repeating what Cassian said to her. So you have some <laughs> canonical uh, quote
1: sharing going mm-hmm. on. How did you feel about all that? I wrote that down as well. It's so, <laughs> it's so awesome because, first of all, we'll see what, uh, yeah, maybe we'll read Nemec's manifesto. Maybe Cassian got it, uh, some of the stuff from him. All right. Um, uh, I had a, yeah, there was, I had a reaction to it. Because number one, it's great. I think it speaks to, Cassian as uh, excuse me, Keith Kirgo, uh, Kirgo whatever uh, as a leader, as an inspirational person, and and a, and a perfect fit for the rebellion as we know it uh, later on. I think that's a testament to his strength, and I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, I mean, so you have a lot of great quotes that I love throwing out there, and you know, <laughs> I've, I've created a bumper sticker too. I'm not saying I'm a leader, but it happens. But it's hilarious because I noted <laughs> down, it's like everyone keeps stealing from this guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but it is it, it almost feels like that's where Cassian is more comfortable we know he's heading toward being a spy right you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he couldn't he has leadership skills right but it's not oh. where he wants to be right yeah uh, i love that is just like a uh, cassian Andor, hero of the rebellion espionage mm-hmm. master a secret speech writer for <laughs> <Yes>. the rebellion
1: <laughs> well and, and, and it's important to note i i think too we're having definitely having some fun with this conversation to be clear but uh, Kino makes eye contact with him as he says it. Right, he, mm-hmm. it's as if to say, "I get you now, and maybe I got you then, but I'm feeling it now, and uh, I'm making this choice thanks to you and with you, and 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 and, and together." I, I think that's all all true as well as kind of funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm having a sense of humor about it. we've got to find some comedy in yeah. brutal old yeah. old and or uh, the television show. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree, and I think that's what's going on with with Jin too, right? She when Cassian first says that her, she's coming at things from such a pragmatic perspective of like you took me in here with this plan that has tiny, horrible, you know, options for success. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, that's the whole deal, right?" Yeah. And then her experience brings her to believing that, right? And so both jen and Kino aren't just like, "I I got to copy off his homework." It's right. a, uh, a a a sign that they have come to truly believe and understand what he was saying. Yeah. To them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So very well said. There. Uh, we get. Uh. Cassian. This is one of the few moments where I feel like Andor is. Uh. You know. Accidentally. Uh. Talking to fan theory websites. Uh. <laughs> when Cassian says, "Whatever we're making here, it's clearly something they need."
1: Yes. Thank you.
2: You and I have not gone into the. You know. What is this going to be a. You know. Canon reveal of that. Yeah. Those are the leg. The interior leg joints for AT-ATs, You know. We yeah. haven't. Uh, dove into that mm. did you feel like that was real light touch mm. ironically cassian's building parts for the death star
1: i do yes so and in, and in, in we joked we joked about it, uh at, after episode eight where a couple people had asked me and and i said oh, I, yeah i think what they're making in there is hope i think steve ellison <laughs> black is i uh, i want to shout out uh rick villanueva said i tweeted out the same thing too and yeah great uh great uh star wars minds think alike uh I'm not a great mind. I just uh, blubber around here enough to to say right things, but I, I still think the answer isn't important. But I do kind of think that makes a lot of sense because those are big parts, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. not they're uh, they're not making adat feet. Uh, maybe those are big too. Maybe it's it's what makes the ankles work on ad-ads. But yeah, I, I took that. But also, again, I really do think, and I don't think the show's saying that, but I, I it, it truly doesn't matter. They're making machinery for a, a, a tyrannical fascist regime. That's all you need to know. Um, but uh, I do think there's, a, it would work for me if, even if that was revealed, it, it, it'd be, a, I don't want to say fun detail, but it'd be an interesting detail
2: yeah yeah no i mean i I think it kind of um i'm glad it is not falling into the category that some people call you know easter egg um Mm. you know i I think a lot of the connections that happen in star wars are are rich in meaningful but i also recognize that there's a a good chunk of fans who who feel like um you know not everything needs to be sort of connected or pointed out or you know you know leonardo dicaprio pointing at the screen i recognize that i understand that there's a there's a an exhaustion of for that kind of thing that sometimes I think stops people from enjoying or maybe, you know, digging deeper on an episode. So I'm so I'm I'm glad it's not there. I'm glad it didn't yeah. pan to <laughs> a shipping crate that says headed for <laughs> the Death Star above scarif, you know? Yeah, ship to uh,
1: scarif. Yeah.
2: Ship to scarif for tyranny. You know. Mm-hmm. Um but I do like it kind of from you, you can kind of vest it invest in it in a in a more you know greek tragedy shakespearean irony way right of he's being made to build the thing that he is destined to help destroy uh you know mm-hmm. just like galen in, in a certain way uh galen's a little bit more involved uh but i also just do like the the picture that it paints because if it is the death star right mm-hmm. um Luthien's plan is to keep punching the empire in the nose to get a reaction out of them so the galaxy can see how awful they truly are. Right. Mm-hmm. And if potentially with all these sparks of rebellion that are, that are happening around this time, one of the reactions is, you know, Palpatine being like, no, no, no death star. Now mm. we're going to push it. it, it there, there's a real conversation in Andor of like, this is too far for the Empire. They're mm. desperate to contain this. They can't spin this. They're worried about their ability to spin this. Mm. If the galaxy finds out, people are being arrested for literally nothing like Cassian mm. and then f- forced into slave labor until they're murdered. If mm. the galaxy finds this out, that's a problem. So the idea that that Palpatine is taking a risk because he needs that big, you know, a yeah. uh, uh, fist in the sky that's going to control the entire galaxy through fear and he needs it as soon as possible then it's not just like a oh the death star i know that from star wars then it's a part of the story it's a it's that what the rebellion is doing is Mm. causing this reaction Mm. from palpatine that he is taking these risks to accelerate
1: to move it up and then even the pressure of uh you know krennic your project's failing (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know Yeah, it's clearly
2: something they need. Yeah. Uh, Last thing for me is just you know going to the lower levels of of Coruscant and that man that terrifying rickety elevator to go way down in the depths. That was it. Was cool to both see something that we know from lots of parts of Star Wars of the the lower levels of Coruscant, but to feel like we went maybe even deeper. (laughs) Yeah, uh, was was really cool. I didn't have any great. uh, I mean, obviously there's the the pretty uh, straightforward. uh, Let's descend to see. You know, the, go to the bowels and see where where true Luthen lurks down here <laughs> in the darkness as he yeah. must plot uh, yeah. to to bring sunlight later. Uh, it, that it all it all tracks on a thematic level, but in terms of like a canon level, did you get anything out of seeing Coruscant? Uh,
1: I always love it. I, I've been enjoying everything on Coruscant. I've been enjoying the the, the Senate uh, Chambers. It, it's really fun and to go to go deep. I know at one point he said press two fifteen. I don't know if that meant level two fifteen or not. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's fascinating. And as far as the thematic reasons, I almost heard Saruman uh, warning Gandalf, you know what the, the, the dwarves dug up. They you know, dug too deep. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm misquoting Saruman there, but uh, it reminded me of that a little bit. Um, yeah, but no, it's fascinating. I Like, look, man, I hope to, I hope to one day see level one. Mm. I don't care. 1313. Yeah. 13, neat. Whatever. It was a video game that almost happened. Uh, bounty hunters hang out there. Cool. I want to go to one. I want to go to one. So if that was the lowest we've seen, it's exciting.
2: <laughs> that is great. Did you, did you pick up on any other uh, sort of canon details?
1: Uh, well, there was this thing and I, I, please someone check on Tony Gilroy. They had, uh, they had blasters in them again, this episode and like actual <laughs> star Wars blasters fire and blaster sounds. I hope he's Okay. Uh, and we talked about it last uh, time out, uh, or last couple episodes. Uh, you, uh, you I, I, I mistakenly put them in the Empire. It shows how many trivia questions I can get right these days. But the <laughs> DH-17 blasters, uh, which, of course, uh, most associated now with the Rebels is, is the correct way to look at it. But wasn't it kind of fascinating, whether intentional or not? And, but yes, I am poking the bear a little bit with Tony Gilroy. I know. He, I, here's my problem with Gilroy. I, I really, truly believe he's become more of a Star Wars nerd than he wants to admit. And I'm just like, dude, buy the T-shirt. Get the hat, go to Galaxy's Edge and get a Ronto rep because you're a fan, man. And quit trying <laughs> to act like Yang and quit trying to tell Ho- Toby Haynes that you can't put an alien in the foreground. Oh, Star Wars fans will freak out like you're a fan. And you have the DH-17 blasters, which obviously could have come from Pablo, Lord Advisor, anyone on staff. But it was really interesting to see uh, the uh, part of the future uh, Rebel Alliance, particularly Cassian mm-hmm. and Melshi, walk around with weapons we've grown up with associated with the Rebels. Uh, I I thought whether super intentional or accidental or not, it was really effective for me.
2: Yeah. I thought it was really, really powerful. I thought it was a great sort of like, um, yes, obviously as we're just talking about, you know, maybe some kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, Star Wars connections can get to be too much and can get to be distracting. But I Mm -hmm. think they're, they're often rich if you allow yourself to invest, right? Because Mm -hmm. it, it is powerful to see this moment of, rebellion and to see the oppressed literally take the weapons of their oppressors yeah, which yeah. ties into what Luthan is saying is unfortunately we have to use mm-hmm. the machinery of our enemy to destroy our enemy and here they are literally taking literally. their blasters away from them mm-hmm. um, but those those do have a, a significance in Star Wars if you've been a longtime fan of those are the first weapons of freedom you saw in the hands of of rebels, you know, mm-hmm. bravely trying to stand up to the the terror of stormtroopers and Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that. But then there's also this great like andor the, the show being more interested in this kind of gritty level of realism of like, yeah, we could we can probably as fans sometimes I think look at things in Star Wars like tech too much from only our point of view as an audience, right? Yeah. Uh we saw those blasters Uh, Is uh, rebels have them. So those are rebel blasters, right? Mm -hmm. And this is almost a more real world approach of like, these are blasters that are floating around the galaxy. Some, you know, sometimes they were issued to Imperials and Mm -hmm. the rebels got a hold of them and that's their stock weapon now because they were the ones that were accessible for whatever reason. And that's almost even more interesting because it's more grounded of like, it isn't a video game, you know, you don't hit X and therefore you get a DH 17, you know, yeah. it's, they're floating around the galaxy and they ended up in rebel hands.
1: Well, what I, I had this thought too, of like, uh, maybe some of them, uh, emerge, you know, from Narkeena five with them and eventually joined, uh, you know, the Dodana's crew on, uh, Yavin four and everyone's, or Alderaan, they're actually Alderaan, the Alderaan guard, guard has them, right. You hope. And just, everyone's like, well, these are kind of cheap and easy to get. Okay. Let's go with these ones. <laughs> Here's what I
2: want to to have happen, which I think, uh, I I say this as a joke Mm because it would infuriate people. What if at the end of the first season of Andor, as a little uh, uh, post credit scene, uh, Kino washes up on a beach having floated to safety on top of a massive box of (laughs) DH-17 blasters. And then he pats it and he says, I hope these will come in handy someday.
1: (laughs) and credit yeah
2: <laughs> uh, i don't think uh, i don't think people would enjoy that no nick fury uh, shows up and
1: says i'm building a an alliance
2: yeah this uh, is not canon i guess i guess this is kino canon yeah uh we we, uh, we talked uh on our new show this week about the you know yes uh, same actor uh, portrayed snoke mm-hmm. we talked all through that uh, so we don't necessarily need to revisit that but uh do you feel like this was a light touch on on Kino's death? Do you feel he's done as a character? Do you feel he was either, uh, he either jumped and didn't make yeah. it or he was captured? And I, What I, do you feel is
1: Kino's fate? I really, I really want to discuss this section, but I was going to bring this up at some point. Um, no, uh, first of all, this was what kind of was spoiled for me. I, I don't mean, I don't know who this Jacob Jake Jake's takes was. I, I'm picking on him. I'm so sorry. But his interview with Circus absolutely just said this was the ending, like in we a roundabout sort of way. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, you know, and I just like, just, just calm yourself, man. Just do an interview. Are you Snoke or not? And don't, don't, and plus I didn't, I didn't like some of the tone. Anyways, different thing. So is I knew he, uh, he, J- Jake asks him
2: about where the character is going to pop up in the future. Right. And, says- and Andy Circus yeah. is just like trying his best as a good actor to not go nowhere. Don't tell uh, him. Yeah. He's a great actor, but any answer, right. Even, even. Any Yes. Even raising an eyebrow
1: risks being like, no, he dies next episode. You know, the the the, the context was this. Is why I was upset up top, and still still upset. Clearly, uh, I I've seen episode ten, and I don't want to say anything, but I have a question about Will we see your character or or not? And I saw him right there. I'm like, cool. We don't know what happens to him.
2: Mm, got it. So that's exactly how you're spoiled is it wasn't definitive.
1: I wasn't spoiled. If he had said, it's a shame you died or will you show up again? Even then I'd know he died or he lived. But the way it was phrased and the way circus is like in his eyes going, dude, come on. <laughs> was this like, again, I don't care that you had access to episode 10. I have it too. It's part of the job. Act like you've been there and let us all have the joy too when we get there. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a man of the people me and john fetterman I'm a man of the people here put my hoodie on i, I just i was really upset <laughs> and, and so it it kind of ruined a little bit of the end and, and it not ruined it for where i threw everything to flip my table of food and ran off i just was like oh i kind of i kind of saw that coming because i yeah, thought because sorry concerned yeah, yeah no, there was no, a line of i i don't know about you all but i think i, I i'm already dead or whatever kino says earlier i'm like Ooh, okay maybe he dies that seems like a setting you up for he dies Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful ending, by the way, and I do want to talk theories about that in a second. It's a beautiful ending, but I was just like, oh, man, that's a spoil that didn't have to happen. Stop that.
2: Yeah, I missed the detail um, in in that interview mm-hmm. that, uh, that Jake of Jake's Takes had seen, episode mm-hmm. 10. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, was able to say, mm-hmm. I'm so glad I didn't know that going into watching it, that his fate was left open that Kino Loy's fate was left open to interpretation because mm-hmm. I, my expectation going in was that he was going to very definitively die in this episode yeah. uh my only question is will he die in such a way that scars his head uh it makes people think <laughs> that he might <laughs> contribute to any Snoke theories <laughs> uh, we even got a very nice tweet about it of like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that like we got a tweet about it mm-hmm. of like um and, and apologies i don't have the the uh, the twitter handle right in front of me mm-hmm. um, the the idea that hey yeah maybe he's a random prison, prisoner who gets taken in and he, he's they use his dna at some point as you know mm-hmm. a basis like it's one of those things of like sure if it works for the story there's nothing wrong with that it's it's a this is a, that's a fun let's speculate thing you know yeah. um, but i don't think it's the agenda of of andor to explain you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, no, I I, I had the tweet up there. It's, it's uh, Gareth Bartlett is a great documentary yeah. filmmaker. And yeah, I he said uh, he's totally agree with us. Uh, well, we, we don't need all of you to degre- agree with us. But yep. he says, however, given that episode 10 development, could I totally see Keto being tortured for his part and being used as an experiment that concludes the creation of snow clones? Madness? Question mark? No, I don't necessarily think that's madness because that stuff is fun. I think I think that's uh, the spirit that we love to keep around here, too. So no, I'm yeah. with you, Gareth.
2: I don't think that's madness, and I think it could be uh, head cannon if people want. I just don't think the actual show Andor yeah. is concerned about that, you know. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas the Mandoverse is right of showing mm-hmm. some of the building blocks to uh, yeah. the development of the Snoke clone. Yeah. Um, so that's that's very fascinating, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe even Bad Batch uh, fun. We'll if you love, if you live for Snoke theories, there's some crumbs, <laughs> there's some crumbs to find out there. Yeah. Uh, so going to 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 Kino Loy's fate, uh, yes. blissfully made it through this episode without uh, being violently scarred on the top of his head. Yeah. Uh, for me, I thought it was so beautiful and it was so bitter it sweet. Was. He almost had like a little kind of like ironic smile about
1: it, right? He, he does, he does. i one of the shots. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Right at the end, right? In mm-hmm. in. The speech he gives, you know, the morning mm-hmm. of, of the day they're going to free themselves mm-hmm. saying the way I'm looking at it, uh, I'm already dead. Mm-hmm. So anything I do is bonus to, to fight back. Right. Yeah. House money. And and, and, and,
1: his, his journey,
2: uh, what's that?
1: House money, playing with house
2: money. <laughs> house money. Yeah. And, and his journey reflects a little bit of what, what, uh, Luthan is, is talking about Right. Of like. Yes. Sometimes you build the infrastructure for, for other people's freedom. Sometimes you just make something better for the next generation or for the next day, but you don't get to be a part of it. Mm. And it's, uh, that's almost what I think is going on in his, in his bittersweet, you know, smile, right? Did Mm. he grow up uh, on Jakku or Tatooine or some desert planet we've never heard of, right? Uh, Or did he, he grow up on some beautiful green verdant planet that has no swimmable water. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and just the irony of like, I escaped all that. I I pushed past my fear and I inspired these people and everybody else is getting this freedom. Mm-hmm. But because this dumb quirk of fate, I, I can't do this simple thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it is it, heartbreaking and, and, mm-hmm. and beautiful in an incredibly heartbreaking way.
1: Yeah, no, very heartbreaking. Uh, and I loved it. It's one of my favorite little beats in, in, in the show, not just this episode, but the show so far. And, and there's a lot of emotions. And I don't think it's the, the, that little kind of like ironic smirk. It's almost it's almost off camera. So oh, you're kind of almost looking at casting when, when he when he uh, when he does that. So it's played. You know, you might miss it being played. But I, I think it's all of it. And I do have some headcanon. First of all, I have some I have some. Um, some thoughts. Take one of those blasters. There's got to be a shuttle off this place. <laughs> you might have some time. Go do that. That's why that that would be my like, oh, man, uh, that uh, doesn't fit the themes. Uh, I'll just say, here's what I think happens. I think he jumps. I think he dies. I think he drowns. And that's my thought. It's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I think it's kind of keep in line with uh, what you're talking about. It's 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 uh it's downright biblical. You get your letters to the promised land, but you're not going in. Uh, it is that. That's the way I, I, I... You know, look, now I'd love to be wrong, and I loved about ep- episode six in season two. Cassian turns a corner, and he's in a fight, and there he, and there's Kino going, I got your back. Like, that'd be great.
2: Be great. It's, yeah, this is just a banner day for Moses comparisons. Again, <laughs> I, I'm hearing them about Star Wars and about actual political leaders in our real world right now. Like, not, yes. not joking. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I think for myself, uh, ho- hope is a good thing. I think sometimes yeah. I need to watch myself that I don't veer into any toxic positivity with my hope. Because I've done that every once in a while and in real life where somebody just wants to tell me uh, that they're hurting and that it's a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I'm I and I, my instinct is like, yeah, but tomorrow. And sometimes they're like, no, I just <laughs> want to feel bad right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm trying to be aware of that. For myself, and that's more the true, yeah. That's
1: the true definition of, of toxic positivity, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's and it's never to dismiss anybody's pain. It's just want to want to hope that there's always another way to fight. There's always another way to go. There's always another choice. We're not boxed in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to keep thinking about like, yeah, but okay, what's really going on uh, on in that prison? All the Imperials are cowering. So could he just hide? And then when you know reinforcements inevitably come, could he? you know uh, get get their ship because it doesn't Mm -hmm. it seems like the ships come there there aren't ships stationed there ships come in with prisoners and could he wait for the next one Mm -hmm. you know or could he go with a blaster and force an imperial to call like i'm having all these like action hero hope moments of Mm -hmm. there's got to be a way out right yeah but everything about this show feels like the story is he 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 did he he made hope for everybody else. Yeah. He made freedom for everybody else, and he's not getting it today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's a downer, right? It's a downer. Again, I want to be wrong. I can't wait for that reunion in, in Season 2, Episode 6.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I I would be thrilled to be wrong. Cassian, go
1: like- go get in the ship. Uh, Sergeant Loy is flying. Sergeant Loy? Hey, hey Cassian! <laughs> yeah, hey. Wait, your name's Cassian? I thought it was Keith. No, nah, it's Cassian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Keith Gergo. Keith which,
2: Gergo. That, if I ever forget the name of anyone in the Rolling Stones, I'm just going to say, is it Keith
1: Gergo? <laughs> is, that, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all
2: right. I think that's about it for canon. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're going to move on to action. Uh, this is one of the staples of the Andor series, that it's tension, 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 uh, and then explosions of action. Maybe that will be different in these last two uh, big episodes. Uh, but did you have favorite action moments in uh, this episode?
1: I had a, the longest list yet, right? Since probably episode six and three. That's how the show's kind of working. I get that. Uh, I had a lot, man. I had a lot. And I, you know, first of all, I'll start with one of my, uh, I guess, almost trademark uh, non-action action moments. Mon turning down uh, uh, Devo, Davo, uh, without, you know, whether or not she's still mulling it over or contemplating or whatever's going on in heart and soul. The fact that she right away is like, absolutely not. Get the F out, buddy. Uh, that's that's yep. action for me.
2: Yeah, no, that's that that's solid. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a great moment um, for the, the explosion of pew pew pews. Um, man, I, I really liked that. It was it was big Star Wars action, but it did, but it also felt real and messy, right? And yeah, and Star Wars always kind of uh, slides the scale on how much of the action is sort of like fun fantasy. Don't worry, your heroes are not going to be you know wounded, mm-hmm. or, or you're certainly not going to die. Maybe wounded, but it'll be a flesh wound. Uh, to there are times where Star Wars wants to remind you the stakes of the action, and it's a little bit more brutal. The Clone Wars animated series does that. There's some brutal deaths, right? Yeah, in in, in kind of action where it's like, this is sad, and then mm-hmm. there's a come kind of action like this is this is a fun jaunty pulp adventure action.
1: Yeah. The playground, like- the playground action, the
2: yeah. playground action, yeah. yeah. And I mean that in our big lightsaber duels, uh. uh conversation uh, we did a long series of, of episodes deep diving on on every lightsaber fight and part of what i love about uh ray and kylo in rise of Skywalker is it's oh it's empty and it's cold and it, it is kind of thrilling but it's so pointless right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, so star wars can go a lot of places with the way it depicts action mm-hmm. and i liked that this was almost it was kind of energetic there was hope to it there was sort of mm-hmm. a righteousness to it uh but it was also like messy and scary right uh, yeah. For both sides, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that really informed it and made it sort of like emotionally thrilling. Mm-hmm. So within that, the, some of the beats that I loved is um, Cassian's leg attack on the guards, right? Oh, yeah, totally. um, it shows his character, right, that he he's he's assessing things and he's got the 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 smarter approach to the guards than mm-hmm. than you know the safer yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, approach the. You know, win the day and walk away approach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also just like in terms of just liking the action moments. I like how many just kind of like leg or lower body attacks there are in Rogue One. So it felt like here's the classic Rogue <laughs> One action. Love that. Sweep the leg, sweep <laughs> the leg, the punch. Um, yeah. it, as much as Cassian is pitched as a character who who has great empathy and compassion, he's also a character who's like when my back's up against the wall, I I kill.
1: Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, yeah.
2: And and that you know that turnaround, you know, that almost kind of cool action movie, almost of like, I don't even think about it. I see you trying to get up and you're done.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and there's the, the key moments of him keeping a couple of them alive and, and that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the messy nature of the fight. I, I agree with that. And the entire sequence had that too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I, I don't, I have no idea if it's purposeful or not. It's not lingered on, but uh, right after they take those two two guards out and everybody's surging up there, and Cassian uh, shoots the person at the first control board. Mm -hmm. Um, We cut very brief briefly to Cassian, a straight on shot of Cassian holding the blaster out. And it's like classic uh, promotional original trilogy, (laughs) Han, Luke, Leia, hero with the blaster pointing at the camera. It's just for a second, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it was this great sort of merging of the, the more, uh, uh, rugged real, you know, um, scary it's Rogue still, one with yeah. the like the hero making yeah. a difference it's
1: still star wars it's and a this, hero's pose yeah and this really was uh you know it was the most star wars of the episodes so far for a lot of reasons to me but uh, a lot of it was not just that, that there was action but the way it was uh, shot and framed i think for me
2: yeah and, and then my final one and i'll kick it back to you uh mm-hmm. to hear your favorite beats is uh anybody who's listened to any of our clone wars reports in particular is Hey, I love anyone falling from a high place. That <laughs> you want to make any action thing better, put it at a high place. Put it somewhere where somebody can fall. One of the great secrets of Star Wars: lots of places to fall from. Uh, so the the n- mm-hmm. not only just getting to see a guard pitch over the rail, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's awkward and, and brutal and painful, uh, but it's also just this great moment for those prisoners mm-hmm. to see something's happening. Right? And you're like. There, that that room doesn't seem to be necessarily aware. I can't remember if that's the same room that's had the water dripping, but people are just kind of like, oh, uh, trapped in this horror, mm. <laughs> and then suddenly blaster fire. Yeah. <laughs> Your oppressor <laughs> flops from a high place to the ground. Uh, some guy named Ham yells, "One way out." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh, thrilling. Uh, I'm with you on that. I put that down as uh, the guard being shot over the railing was very western, like a Knott's Berry stunt show, Knott's <laughs> Berry Farm stunt show, uh, and at a and a at a show that is uh, you know doing its own thing is also a spy thriller and all this thing that was not only Star Wars, it was like oh Star Wars is doing the western thing again. I loved it, and and I think of uh, again this sequence is is is, is really amazing. Uh, the whole the whole jailbreak, the build up, the ten- everything about it from the start of the episode to to when it happens and that great shot of, of, of the, of the, the station, which by the way is just one of many, right. But the, the station and you got the, the three sides of, of, of prisoners swimming away. Great shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved the other prisoners scene. it, whether it's the water leaking down, the guy being blasted over the window being shot out. I really, I don't know. That kind of got me, uh, uh, almost emotional and inspired. Like this, these actions, uh, inspiring uh, and uh, going back to even what Kat, remember Cassian's kind of like I'm, I just did it. It's just a heist. No, you've inspired mm-hmm. me. You you. I don't know it's you, but you've inspired marvin to be rebel again. You've inspired me, and it's like here's some actional inspirational action.
2: Yeah, I think it was just really really well framed to make audiences feel that right because mm-hmm. we we get to go on the journey with. Kino and, and Cassian and, and you know, uh, the, the uh, other main instigator with Cassian, uh, Bernach, who sadly doesn't make it. Um, yeah, yeah. See, these people who are all in, know the stakes, can take a deep breath before they do it, and that's one journey. But there is something powerful of imagine yourself being in a place like that, being beaten down by the repetition, mm-hmm. and then to suddenly have that shocking moment of change. Of, yeah. of hope, right? That you don't, you don't know is building. You can't see coming. You didn't even know to hope for it, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's like when, you know, you're in a dark place and you suddenly get that message from somebody where something's changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a job offer, a personal thing, right? That just suddenly, like, it, explodes your gray world into something hopeful again. That was powerful mm-hmm. about those moments. I love that.
1: Yeah. Love that. Yeah, absolutely great. Any other action moments for you? Yeah, a couple jump out. Um, you mentioned the casting stuff's great. I, I want to highlight again, Burnock, True believer, rest in peace, and dies very unceremoniously. But that's kind of how it goes. And, and 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 look, you're so right to say there's there's sometimes the heroic stuff in Star Wars, and then there's the. The rebel Alderanian guards getting blasted by stormtroopers in the opening seconds of New Hope. You know, no one gets a funeral there. Like it's, it, it's Star Wars plays both sides. And Burnock, Burnock being a true believer from the beginning, when you meet him, he's just like with Andor. See, I told you, I told you, two guards, we go now. Do you believe me now? The rail-. And to have him mm-hmm. not to experience it, but uh, is also one of the characters that builds that others uh, are climbing uh, up from. Love that uh, little moment. Uh, Melshi, R- R- Scott Melshi, man. I uh, love this guy. I love him being part of the show <laughs> and firing and moving around that hallway like a rebel, man. This is mm-hmm. going to be a sergeant mm-hmm. rebel Alliance. I love that there in that sequence. There's two times Andy Circus yells attack. The second time is legendary mm-hmm. to me. Circus, of course, uh, it's up there with my precious. It's up there with him as King Kong. It's up there with him, uh, you know, Apes Stronger Together. Any of those big moments in his wonderful career. The, the 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 first one's an attack but this, when he realizes the floor is not hot and he looks up oh mm. god that's a great hero moment attack love it i'm going to watch that and repeat
2: yeah no i'm getting i'm getting chills just hearing you talk about it right mm. that that's like the moment where he truly believes right
1: mhm
2: and it's mm-hmm. just like you, the 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 uh the beast has been unleashed
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's great
2: prisoners stronger together yeah.
1: <laughs> and the final one I, I want to put in there actually uh, it's one of those uh non-action moments but luthan closing the elevator door on old Lonnie there at the end he opens it but then, then you, you, at the end he's just like cool we're done here <laughs> I was like, That's he's accent.
2: got tech for everything i didn't I, I was so invested in his speech i didn't really appreciate that moment and uh, that, was, that was pretty damn funny like i've i've uh, poured my soul out and i know how you respond okay bye yeah 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 uh that's a great transition into comedy and whimsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not an episode with as many like uh, jokes, but there was some fun stuff. Um, I it, it's so weird, it's so depressing, but uh, there's a little bit of Star Wars uh, whimsy and fun in it. Uh, I noticed that the stretcher mm-hmm. that poor Olaf is being carried through Ulf's body at the beginning um, has a little droid head it, yep, moving yep. around, and that just delighted me (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's the great classic star Wars. was just sometimes weird and defies logic of why does that stretcher need to be a droid (laughs) that's aware (laughs) that that. probably has a name and opinions Uh, i love that that was great Mm. a couple other i only have two other moments um Mm. but i want to see what you got see if they're the same moments. so where do you go
1: um i i have oh god what is this um I'm trying to, I wrote one down. I don't even remember the one, but yeah, but I, I love the, uh, when they, when they go into the control room and they ask, tell them to do so, uh, tell them to do something. And then the, the guy says, that could mean so many things. And then boom, they kill the other guy. And the other one's like, I'll do it. There's <laughs> some dark comedy there. And then I wrote down, is that the best you got? And I don't remember. That's a moment. I just might be, I try to, My I can't remember that anyway. So that's,
2: uh, that's, a, that's Cassian when, when Kino's, you know, trying to be that's the, right. Thank you. the voice of inspiration and, <laughs> and Cassian's like this, like aggressive swim coach or like, really? really <laughs> that's the one that's the one
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> that's the best yeah. you got because yeah, you know, know he's, right. he, he's also speaking into tech that we've uh kind of uh you know associated with han solo's uh you know we're fine we're all fine here now yeah uh and to have that just to have uh it was because it was again, it was more you know uh, yeah excuse me uh, kino Loy has not had time in the, in the shower in the communal shower to practice this speech and uh, the, the, nope to have a cast and be like, come on. It's like a stand-up comic. Is that all you got? Let's give, let's really hear it for your own. <laughs> uh, I loved it. Keep
2: it going. Keep yeah. it
1: going. I said, keep it going. You could do better. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Was, yeah. That, that was, that was uh, a nice bit of, of, I guess, comedy and mm-hmm. inspiration. Yeah. Uh, Kino uh, does say, turn it off. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> trying to buy time, you know, yeah. uh, the 20 something who works at Dairy Queen says, uh, that could mean so many things. Like, yeah. Uh, the other only other moment for me that was uh, comedy or whimsy is uh, when Clea, uh, uh, Clea is telling Luther that they got this message from what turns out to be Lonnie uh, and, and Clea saying, I don't like the timing. And Luther going, you don't like anything. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> She's so, yeah, she's, she's interesting. I, I want uh, to know more of uh, her character. Cause I, like i said before, I don't, I, I really like her. I don't know if I fully trust her for, for. I don't even know what that means when I say that. I'm just like, she's, she's very interesting to me. I think for me,
2: she's, she's, she, from what we've seen so far, she feels like a character who's maybe lost her soul to the cause. Right. Yeah. That it, she is sort of, you know her speech to Vell about like you know all these sacrifices don't matter, and you know Cassian's a loose end, and we got to kill him, and like it was all, you know, it, it it's stuff that Luthen's agreeing to, but Clea seems to have no reservation. And then every time she talks to Luthen, she doesn't ever want to trust anyone. She doesn't ever want Luthen to take this risk. It's all about mm-hmm. what Luthen shouldn't do or mm-hmm. Luthen should stop doing. It's all very, you know, it, it could be seen as cautious, but it's also like just like fear radiates offer always with you it cannot be done radiates offer you know
1: yeah because yeah, i don't think she's going to be revealed to be a spy or anything mm-hmm. um and the laundry reveal was great for me by the way i hadn't really tracked that till this episode so i'm curious mm-hmm. to go back and, and watch him a little more closely uh but yeah yeah it was it's not so much that is yeah 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 like it's like I know what you're saying like what there's something different going on. like i still don't trust lita i still think she's going to mess some things up but um for different reasons, not the empire, mother,
2: <laughs> mother. And daughter no, I mean, reasons. I I think that, I think that's a, um, a fascinating thread. I mean, we mm-hmm. can, we'll, we can get into our, uh, jump ahead to our predictions a little bit here mm-hmm. if we want. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, that this idea of, you know, obviously this whole thing is about the battle of the rebellion against the empire, but it's how do individuals come to that cause? And we've got characters who are focused on the cause and their got characters who are focused on the cause, but they care about the people too, or Cassian, who only cares about the people. But that makes it really interesting to me of like, is that almost a game that the show is playing with the audience where we have our eyes on the big cause, the big battle, and some of the fates of these characters are going to come from the personal mm-hmm. in a way they're not seen, right? Yeah. We've mm-hmm. talked about, and I'm sure other people have talked about um is, is Mothma gonna pull everything off, but then Lita you know, mm. turns her in or expose not turns her in, but mm-hmm. Lita causes some great crisis because she's mad at her mom and thinks her mom doesn't love her cool dad. And it's right. the personal that gets her, not <laughs> yeah. her rebellion activities. And in that same way, a part of me is wondering like, is this is this a possibility of of the personal is going to get Dedra, right? Mm-hmm. Edra seems to be on this sort of like she and Luthen are both kind of working at things from different angles. You know, they're playing this chess game without even now Luthen knows her name. She yeah. doesn't know his, right. And yeah. we're all really focused on that. And how, how high is she going to rise in the, in the rebellion? And is she going to just get stabbed in an alley by, uh, mm-hmm. Cyril because mm-hmm. she rejected him, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, mm-hmm. and is her fate going to be the personal rather than the big battle, the cause, the ideology.
1: That's mm-hmm. a, uh- yeah, that's grim in a good way. <laughs> I mean, not in real life. Not a real. It's life real way, grim, but like yeah,
2: that that's deeply fascinating, disturbing scene of Cyril full on stalking her is going somewhere.
1: You know? Oh yeah, yes. Oh yeah. Watched it again last night. It was like it, this isn't just a funny little anti rom com. It's um, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, is there anything that we haven't uh, touched on that you wanted to?
1: Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we got it all in, in this very short, concise episode.
2: (laughs) Um, I also, the the only thing that I wanted to mention is in the brief scene that we see on, on Farrix. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we got some, some great things being set up there. Uh, But I I noticed on my viewing this morning with the headphones in uh, that there's some, some uh, tones going on in the background, which either the time grapplers still grappling in the background (laughs) on Ferrex, or the Imperials have appointed uh, their own, time grappler Uh, but Mm -hmm. time grappler is one of my favorite characters in the trailer in those first couple episodes i i hope that the time grappler is the one character of andor who survives all the way through and i hope the time grappler is at the battle of andor
1: oh yes and i hope he carries those uh time hammers (laughs) whatever you're gonna call them (laughs) i hope he uses them in a couple stormtroopers on ferrix absolutely and then takes him to endor and that's what he's known for
2: (laughs) yeah no totally agreed. totally agreed. (laughs) Uh, do you have any other uh, predictions or hopes for the our the final two episodes we're heading into?
1: Yeah, I do think all roads lead to Farrix, or at least some of the roads lead to Farrix, and a lot of things kind of syncing up there. The um, ominous kind of vibes around Marva, yeah, um, some stuff we've seen in trailers. We know we got to go back there in some degree, but uh, yeah, I, I and um, Pack, uh, uh, I, I don't, I, I worry about his future. Obviously, and he's pretty much already gone. If you listen to the, the Imperial from last week. Uh, mm-hmm. and if he's hung, uh, hanged in, in the town square, does that, um, does that inspire some big time action in that community is kind of where I think we're going, um, mm. educated guests perhaps, but, uh, then, you know, we'll see where, again, we're, there's so many loose ends, um, heading back, uh, to where it all began.
2: Yeah, no, it, 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 you're right. There are some shots I'm remembering now, uh, from the trailer that we have not seen yet, uh, but also without those, it feels like, yeah, um, Everything is heading back toward Ferrex. Um, to, to paraphrase uh, Darth Vader, you know, I think one of the big things that is happening is Cassian does not yet realize his importance, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Cassian has no idea that you know Luthen and Miro are haunting him, and we were reminded the audience by having both Cinta and Miro's agent Corv staring <laughs> at Martha's yeah uh, house this episode, and you know, I can definitely see Cassian being like, okay. I uh, I was wrong to run away, I, I gotta go get Marva, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ending up in the heart of this this battle for Ferex. I also yeah. feel like, you know, Luthen set it in motion that he was feeling frightened that he'd exposed himself too much by, you know, let Cassin see too much, you know, yeah. taking him on the Fondor, his ship. Um, and I thought the interesting sort of cliffhanger of this episode is going right from Luthen saying you know, the the Rebellion needs heroes to a shot of you know future heroes of the rebellion Andor and or in melshi yeah that also makes me feel like we are heading toward you know Luthin is, is hardcore right and he's mm-hmm. willing to make sacrifices even though they hurt his soul um is he is he heading toward this you know d- this demand to spare cassian's life that is going to put him at odds with cinta and clea
3: mm-hmm. of
2: saying you know he's the hero we need and they're and are they going to think Luthen is going soft you know
1: that's a great point too. A uh, great point to highlight uh, some of the stuff that's already been said and what why why uh, Cassium is being hunted by the good side. It's to yep. eliminate him. It's in yep. the trace.
2: Yeah, it's right now it's not to find him and give him a medal and promote him and <laughs> <laughs> a pat on the back. It's yeah. to take him out take and him that's out. obviously not uh I don't think where where Luthen's going.
1: Yeah. Um again yeah. again to highlight it, to take him out for the cause. Yep. So when you got your thoughts about the cause and, and what you're sacrificing for it, factor that in, and I and that's why again I want to see Luthan on the Fondor after that moment. Great speech, wonderful points, accurate, great stuff. What do you really think yeah. when you're all faced with it? And
2: that might be an interesting thematic uh, thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I am speculating responsibly in in such a way that if this if stuff like this doesn't happen, I'll go, oh, I was wrong. Okay, and I'll enjoy what's there, but. If Luthien, you know, justifies, oh, he finds out in his network, Cassian broke out of this prison mm-hmm. and took almost 5,000 people with him and bloodied the Empire's nose again, he's too valuable. He's got to stay alive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he could have this great justification if I'm doing this for the cause. And then the shot alone on Fondor could be like, thank God I didn't have to kill this, yeah. this good man, right? Yeah, it, and it, will that challenge Luthen's, you know, declaration that he's he's stone cold and he knows what he's doing?
1: Yeah, I'm curious about it again. I, I, predictions, speculate responsibly. Questions that maybe don't have um, concrete answers yet,
2: and that's why it's yep. great.
1: That's why we're all here. But uh, yep. big stuff to think about.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, the other two questions that uh, don't need to get into any sort of predictions, but I'm very curious to see if Luthen makes it out of season one, and I'm very curious what the best case scenario for Farrix is, You're right? Because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, is the audience, we want Rebellion, right? But, like, it's not like they're going to, yeah, at the end of the episode, they'll sign a treaty and it will be the free city of, <laughs> free, city
1: of
2: free planet of Ferex is not going to happen. So, what's the best case scenario for Rebellion on Ferex?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Fantastic. All right, we're going to wrap up with some fun stuff. Uh, I skipped over it, but I want to go back for it. Did you have a favorite Luthen line
1: or noise in this episode? Well, that, look, that whole speech was spectacular. Uh, a master class in acting, uh, absolutely. But in that had my favorite new line from Luthen. Huh, axis. Great line. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Oh, yeah, that's great, his playing of like, no, we didn't have anything to do with Aldani. Uh, we're invited. We're invited. <laughs> Uh, got an Evite, uh, answered maybe. Yeah. Uh, in the midst of his, his great uh, confrontation discussion with Lonnie, uh, I already screenshot it and, and I will be deploying it at different times on social media, I'm sure. I love it when he says, Your investment in the rebellion is epic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> in the changing tone of that word epic is pretty great. All right, we always end with the fun question of what merch would you want based on this episode? What do you got from this thrilling but brutal episode of
1: Andor? I I I oh man, it's tough to say. Uh yeah, I really uh, wouldn't mind uh <laughs> getting some Kino Loy. Uh, uh, uh swimming uh floaties uh <laughs> just uh for for hope for a sense of hope uh might be there as well uh yeah it, it it's such it's um maybe a new re- new release dh17 replica hmm
2: Mm, I do want, I do want a, a Kenooya action figure. You know, to yeah. just celebrate well, the character.
1: He he already put it out there today, but our, our good pal Brian Ward put the uh, uh, the the Keith Gergo uh, hands behind his head Funko Pop in prison gear. <laughs> Come on, Funko, be brave uh, and do it. Uh, they
2: they got Squid Game Funko. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think they can do. Uh, yeah, on uh, program Cassian. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I don't think I'll do that one myself.
3: But, yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, the moment but, they released a Ned Stark with severed head covered in blood, the the game the game was changed <laughs> for Funko. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. uh, could. I'm stopping myself from listing other questionable mm-hmm. Funkos. Uh, the the stretcher droid. It's so weird. Uh, you know, I that, that I would love a stretcher droid action figure and be like, it fits mm-hmm. most most characters can lay on stretcher droid. Yeah, that yeah. uh, would be great. But my thing, I truly want, is I want a Luthan plushie with a dark billowing uh, cape and you can squeeze the Luthan plushie and it just yells the word every time. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right, that is our big look at episode 10 of uh, Andor One Way Out. Ken, where can people find
1: us? You can find us on Twitter at 4 Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. You want to subscribe over there? We're going to we got some stuff cooking for 2023 and even sooner, some more live Q&As. Uh, so join us over there as well. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast in a lot of spots. Acas, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Just search. You'll find us a merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can also find us on Facebook, by the way, too. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. From there, you can get into our Discord and discuss Star Wars, including what Funko Pops you want. Every day was Fourth Center Friends. You can follow me at Katnapsock or go to my website, Cadnapsock.com, for more information, other things I do, stand up comedy dates, uh, my book. I'm going to be signing personalized copies if you want and uh, selling those on my website for the holiday season and a lot more. Just find me there. Joseph, where can they find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on social media, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, Mastodon. I'll memorize how to tell people how to find me on Mastodon, but I'm going to be there. And uh, for now, I'm going to stay on Twitter as well as it is changing by the second. I'm sure while we were recording, there were five different changes to how (laughs) check marks are going to work. So I'm going to ride that out on Twitter if you want to join me there and, and see Uh, what becomes of twitter Uh, you can also uh, check out uh, some of the short films and the comedy sketches i'm making and putting up on my youtube channel Uh, you can go to youtube and search joseph scrimshaw thank you again to everyone who has supported the short that i made that ken is in that Marcellus is in called peace fight if you haven't checked that out uh, go check that one out uh but for now for myself for ken for davos (laughs) scumbag this has been the andor report
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.